Toto to di Natale, tocco sotto! Un gol straordinario di uno straordinario giocatore! Toto di Natale! This goal was scored by Antonio Di Natale in a 2-0 away victory against Catania in the final match of the 2011-2012 Serie A campaign, confirming an astonishing third-place finish for the Bianconeri following their fourth-place finish the season prior. Although in today's day and age, top four secures any team in Serie A Champions League football, in the 2010-2011 season, the team that finished fourth place would need to endure playoffs, meaning that Udinese were one spot off of Champions League football. The next season, Udinese finished third, but a rule change meant that third place would also need to go through the playoffs in order to qualify for Champions League football. Udinese got eliminated in both playoffs with a loss on penalties to Braga and a 3-1 aggregate loss to Arsenal. As disappointing as that is for Udinese fans, we're here to talk about their all-time leading top goal scorer and one of the most underrated footballers in the league's history, and that is Antonio Toto Di Natale. After going through the ranks with Empoli's youth side, Di Natale started his professional career with Empoli's senior side in 1996 and remained with the club until 2004, scoring 49 goals in 158 appearances. Throughout this time, he helped his side earn Serie A promotion in the 2001-2002 season and avoid relegation in the 2002-2003 season. Despite being unable to save Empoli from relegation, his performances and consistent goal scoring earned him a transfer to Udinese in 2004, where he made history. Di Natale spent a total of 12 years at Udinese, where he became their top appearance holder and goal scorer in Serie A, with 191 goals and 385 appearances. He repeated this feat in UEFA club competitions, where he scored 17 goals in 37 appearances. With 209 total Serie A goals under his belt, he is also the 6th highest goal scorer in Serie A history, whilst also being the 8th highest scoring Italian player in all competitions, behind the likes of Silvio Piola, Alessandro Del Piero, Giuseppe Meazza, Luca Toni, Roberto Baggio, Francesco Totti and even Filippo Inzaghi. The man also has 11 goals and 42 for the Italian national team. Standing at 5'7", Di Natale was quick, mobile, tactically intelligent and had a natural eye for goal. He was a versatile player who could be deployed anywhere along the front line. He could score goals as well as create them and was also a joy to watch because of the fact that he could literally score a goal from anywhere. Di Natale won the highly prestigious Capo Cannoniere Award, which is basically Serie A's top goal scorer award. He won this in both 2009 and 2010, as well as the Italian Footballer of the Year Award in 2010. Apart from his footballing qualities, Di Natale's human aspect is highly appreciated by the Udinese faithful. He was a one-club man, a quality that is seldom seen in the modern game and had a great relationship with the fans. Keep an eye out for our next Instagram post featuring Di Natale standing in the <laughs> Udinese crowd with a megaphone in one hand and a lit cigarette in the other. It would help if he jumped in with the right lyrics though instead of this. <laughs> 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 
Howdy y'all and welcome back to Serie Spotlight episode 29 with your hosts Matt and Jake. Guys, it would be gnarly if you could check us out on Twitter, TikTok and Instagram. Um, we've been making these extremely challenging and thought-provoking trivia polls before each match, including players, streaks and stats in general. Um, quite fun and we challenge you, come on. We've got a bit of an unfair advantage obviously because we're, you know, creating the quizzes, but we challenge you nonetheless and best of luck. Guys, it would be cool as well if you could rate our show. It really helps with the algorithm as well. Exactly. Preferably five stars, but we're not picky. We'll take four. Oh, whoa, whoa. What's this? Five ideally. Five ideally. Thank you very much. So, shall we knock back some Sambuca and get started? Why not? Today we're drinking... What's this, bro? Some weird Sambuca. It's Sambuca Beltian. Beltian. It's (laughs) Italian. Oh, Beltian. Beltian. Brilliant. Uh, nice. One for you, one for me. Chinny chin. Chin chin. <laughs> Sabuka's literally breakfast, bro. <laughs> Guys, I won the prediction series twice in a row. I'm coming for you, bro. You're on some good form, bro. You have momentum, I must say. I, you deserve another shot, man. I already. Let's go, of course, man. You won Jesus the series. Jesus Christ. This Zach, is to I celebrate. Hope you're not listening. Exactly, he totally doesn't go to work hungover. <laughs> Every Wednesday, baby. <laughs> Every single Wednesday. Wednesdays are pain, you know. Wednesdays are fucking incredibly painful. Let's do this quickly, get back into it, exactly. So yes, Matty won the prediction series this week. 5-4, five, five, four, yeah. Um, terrible, terrible, we did terribly. Um, the games I thought would be tight weren't really that tight, and the games that I thought... Would be a walkover, weren't really a walkover at all, but that's just the league for you, right? Totally unpredictable right now. Yeah, you could never you could never guess this <laughs> this time around. We were getting better, but now we're kind of dipped. We we're did, getting yeah. 13-8s and, and 13-10s and all that. Now we're back to single figures, I'm afraid. But there was um, a highly prestigious moment this time around as Inter were held by Torino, causing Milan to jump first by five points. Exactly. Obviously, all smiles in the Fennec household. How do you feel before I we get feel, into this? I feel very good. Inter's game in hand is no longer a factor that we need to talk about right now as it stands on the ball. It's a Milan's court right now to go all the way. You know, um, nine wins, nine finals remaining, and we'll see. We'll see what happens. And what did you do, bro? What did the green-eyed snake do? The ah, jealous ah, yes. green-eyed Sorry. snake? <laughs> I booked flights to... To Bergamo to watch Milan Atalanta. He's gonna fucking I'm, I'm spoil going. my parade. Right? <laughs> I'm totally crashing his birthday. Guys, just just so you know, we're gonna fucking vlog the shit yeah. out of this. Jake's gonna have one angle, I'm gonna have another angle, exactly. and you guys are gonna have two angles. Yeah. So you we're see, gonna spam you to hell with content. I don't so, at Serious Spotlight on Instagram. <laughs> I don't give a fuck, bro. So I think we could pretty much get into Let's it. Let's get into it, bro. So the first game, obviously, that we'll be covering will be the Milan game, which is yours. Oh, yes. So the first game is Milan 1, Empoli 0. The reverse fixture was the 4-2 victory for Milan away from home, where Florenzi scored the free kick and Kessie scored the double. Remember, that was when Kessie played the Zidane role. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And everyone thought he was good there. Exactly. Everyone was like, whoa, this is a new lease of life for Mm. Kessie. No, it's not. Now... 
Intro and stats. Three wins in a row for Milan against Tempoli. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, in the last 12 Serie A matches, no side has earned fewer points than Empoli in Serie A. We're just repeating this every single week at this point. <laughs> um, six level with Venezia because they lost to Lazio, of course. Mm-hmm. Now, coming into this, Leao had the most dribbles in Serie A with 67. And actually, funny, funnily enough, the defender with the most dribbles in Serie A was Stojanovic okay. with 45 coming into this. And he plays so for Empoli. Weird. He didn't start this game, though he came on as a substitute. So Milan weird. played their usual 4-2-3-1, 4-3-3 formation. In my opinion, it's a 4-3-3, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, Manian in goal, Calabria, Kalulu, Tomori and Florenzi at the back, replacing the suspended Theo Hernandez. Tonali, Benasser and Kessi in the middle. Leao, Giroud and Messias up front. Empoli lined up with their 4-3-2-1 Christmas tree formation with Vicario in goal. Um, Libby, remember Libby? Libby, yeah. I, yeah. I think we know how to say his name now, Ka- no? Cacace, how are they saying it? Cacace, Cacace. I think. Uh-huh. Um, Liberatore, I think his name is. Liberatore, Liberatore. Cacace. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Libby. Our boy Libby at the back, <laughs> along with Luperto, Romagnoli and Fiamozzi. Bandinelli, Aslani, Zurkowski, Bayrami, Henderson and Pinamonti up front. Now, the goal came in the 19th minute when Giroud teed up to take a free kick. It took forever for him to actually kick this ball. You know, it <laughs> felt like the, <laughs> the tension was really building up. I really thought he was going to kick it top corner, like the way he was, he was setting up and was zooming on his face, you know. And Flynn's just filming. Like, exactly. <laughs> exactly. He's just <laughs> filming, waiting, the longest video ever. Like, <laughs> worth it. Everything in 5K. <laughs> um, he smashes the free kick into the wall. Kalulu pounces onto the rebound and shoots the ball low and hard into the bottom left corner from outside the area. The Sky commentator screamed, Kessi! <laughs> <laughs> like, be careful, man. <laughs> be careful. It was Kalulu, of course. Um, yeah, great the biggest goal. smile on his face. The biggest Kalulu, smile. The biggest what a guy. Um, the, the group chat, the Milan group chat, I mean, they, they call Kalulu the one who unites us all. Oh, because sweet. he is he is the one that unites oh, us sweet. all. Every Milan fan agrees on one thing that Kalulu is a fucking gem. You ever thought about how oh, I'm a Milan fan and I'm just not in that chat? You don't deserve you have to earn it, bro. Okay. You have right, to be scouted. Right. You need a Twitter performance. Ah and then, and then fair enough. Cool, that's then, a fair yeah. point. That's a fair point. I thought a podcast would help you. <laughs> no, no, no. Twenty nine episodes in. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get you in, I'll get you in. Well, Flynn said he's gonna listen, so if he's if he's listening to this, get, <laughs> it, get him in, bro. Flynn. Now, um, it was interesting to see as well, by the way, Manian setting up the wall from the sideline. Mm. You know, he was setting up like the wall to block Vicario's point of view. You could see him to, like next to Pioli. No, opposite Pioli on the other side. He's so unorthodox, man. Yeah. He just does stuff differently. Yeah, doesn't he's he, man? he's a real leader, man. Mm-hmm. Honestly. In the 63rd minute, Empoli um, made a triple substitution to try and shift the momentum. But Milan were too strong and managed to counter-press well with the introduction of Salamakers and Brahim Diaz. Um, it was interesting to see Zlatan coming on in the 83rd minute. He looked very lively. Mm-hmm. Could be mm-hmm. useful. Could Agreed. be useful from this point on, especially. You know, I can tell he's the hungriest of the wall for the trophy for sure. Yep. Yep. He said he he'll retire once he wins a trophy with Milan. Oh, that's sweet. Mm-hmm. He might never retire. A few years later. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, bro, was this a job well done by Milan, or did they risk another Udinese-style disaster? Yeah, I mean, it it is the latter. I mean, obviously, a, a one-nil victory against Empoli, who are kind of a, a train wreck at the moment. There should be that second goal 
just to kill the game off. Yes. You know what I mean? I'd rather a 2-1 than a 1-0. Even you, you get that cushion and then they get a goal back and it's like, ah, too little, too late though. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the fact that you just remain 1-0 up for the entire game, like good job keeping the keeping the 1-0. Good job mm-hmm. keeping the clean sheet and everything. But you're just running, running the risk, you know? And Milan have been struggling to get goals more so than before. And that's, that's the reason... Milan drop points yes. against Udinese. Now, I, I do agree with you that Milan struggle to score goals, especially as of late. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't agree with you that a 2-1 is better than a 1-0. I really value a clean sheet, personally. And the players often talk about how important it is. When mm-hmm. we kept conceding, you know, what Kier go, go out, going out and say, like, um, we keep conceding shit goals, you know, we need to get a few clean sheets, get back on the record. Purely saying, you know, clean sheets are important, you know, the build mm-hmm. defensive solida- mm-hmm. solidarity. I see your point as much as I see mine. Yeah. Just <laughs> <laughs> okay. A two goal cushion. Now, is Empoli had two goal scoring chances this game. It's the lowest of all the teams in match day 29. Okay. Mm. Um, Milan ran eight kilometers less than Inter. Okay. So, this was a very mature victory, in my opinion. We got a clean sheet, three points, eight kilometers less than Inter. You know, two goal scoring chances against us, a mature display. Everyone pretty much played well, you know. Mm. I think that's a, a good performance and a well deserved three points. And you know what's beautiful, bro? Mm-hmm. Now, in after this match, seven days rest, and then it's a match against Cagliari. So, yeah. players can, you know, recover, they can recoup, they can train, they can jump right back in there. Uh, obviously, be, being out of Europe does give you these perks, and at the same time, a comfortable win against Empoli, jumping onto a game against Cagliari, Milan should start building that momentum now. And if they really want to charge for the title, that they have to fucking go right now. Yes. Like I must say, I am worried about the Cagliari game because if they <coughs> if they close up shop like they did last time last season, you know that nil nil, mm. that very frustrating mm-hmm. nil nil, mm-hmm. then we'll have a problem, you know. Yeah. But Zlatan's back and he's really good in those types of games. It's an away it's game. True. I'd actually start him. I think he, he always scores away. Is, you know, yeah. Giroud's only scored one away goal. It was at Fair the Olympico. Um, I'd actually start him. He looked very lively coming on. Give him sixty minutes. You know, fuck it. Then bring exactly. on Giroud at the end. Exactly. Or Lazetic, I'd like to say Lazetic. Or Lazetic, if we're winning 3 0, why not? Is there anything Kalulu can't do, bro? Um, make a mistake. Oh, oh yeah. He's so good, man. And, you know, he, he had that goal for the France under 21 as the national team, where he, he received a, th- a through ball on the right hand side. He charged down towards the goalkeeper and chipped him. It was incredible. Ah, yes, Remember you that showed goal? me that. Yeah. That, was, that was nuts. Fantastic goal. So, mm. like, we have a player over here that's playing at centre back with the qualities of a pretty much offensive threat, you mm-hmm. know? So, very interesting to see how, how versatile he is in the future. is definitely mm-hmm. bright for us. To, to answer your question about is there anything he can't do, I'd like to see him be a bit more assertive in the air, getting that, you know, when there's an opposition goal kick coming through, he gets the first hit over there and he dominates in that region yeah. but then there's obviously Tomori next to him or in and the future maybe he's 5'10 so that's never going to be his, his forte exactly that's something yeah. he can't yeah. do probably exactly um, yes Empoli haven't won a game since the start of the year bro how did they look to you in this game in your opinion Empoli didn't look bad to that's me. the thing they, right? they like, I couldn't believe and they looked decent they. against Juve as well last week yeah they, not, they always play well. They just, they're missing that touch, you know. You remember the, the example... The week before, sorry. Last week it was yeah. Spets, yeah. You, you remember the, the example, the analogy that Andrea Zoli gave where he said that they're like a blanket that's ah, too short. Ah, you pull short. the sheet up, your yeah. ankles are out, you pull it down. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. It kind of feels that way, to be honest with you, with Empoli. Their, their side is incomplete. I think um, they're figured out, to be honest, bro. 
I, th- I, I think they figured it out. Either that or they ran out of steam. They gave it the role at the beginning. They uh, achieved, they were in top 10 halfway through the year. Mm. You know, and now they can relax kind of, you know. <laughs> yeah, but not what? worry too much if they get shafted where Bro, all the other teams are really picking up and have all this tension on them. If they keep getting shafted the way that they're getting shafted, it's very likely that they'll get a scare towards the end they of the might, season. They might, they might, especially if they exactly keep losing. Um, I mean, they what, sit on 13th right now, yeah, 10, points, like 10 points from points. the drop. 32 points isn't guaranteed safety. At all, Let, no. Let's ignore the 13th place part. 32 points is not guaranteed safety. We've seen Empoli. Get relegated Empoli with 36 points. Exactly, yeah. statistically the best team in Serie A ever to get relegated. And really? that could happen again. Was that the highest point? Mm. I, I believe so. It was around 36 points a couple of seasons ago as well, three seasons ago. So they, they better watch themselves. Exactly. <laughs> Even though, you know, Venezia are doing absolutely nothing. But, yeah, but mm-hmm. whatever. Now, um, Theo said in an interview recently that he plays best in a 3-5-2 as it brings out his greatest qualities offensively and allows him to attack freely with cover at the back. So, okay. you know, when he does his Theo spin and uh-huh. they tackle him, they're uh-huh. not one-on-one. I, mean, yeah, I, I, I fucking agree. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think it would be worth shifting to a 3-5-2 to accommodate Theo? Uh, and then what happens down Calabria's side? You know what I mean? Might struggle. Calabria, I think, region. would be all right as a wing-back as well. He, he, but he, he's got the engine for it. So he will run for 90 minutes and he'll run well for 90 minutes, but he hasn't got the pace. I'm not sure I particularly... Well... In a 3-5-2, you need quick motherfuckers. Like, like even Torino, I've got Voivoda and Singo, I think he has, I mean? he has the work ethic, though, Calabria, to compensate maybe for the lack of Theo Hernandez-esque pace. Well, it could be a 3-5-2 and mm. Calabria's a bit more conservative. Imagine, that, that imagine a 3-5-2 with Calabria and 60th, 70th minute, you bring on Salamakers. Salamakers would definitely put, put mm-hmm. in a shift over there. That's not a bad one. That's it's not a bad, not a bad one. shot at all. And you could be a conservative yeah. defender. In a Especially next well. season with, with the likes of, you know, Kier, we're going to have Botman, Botman there's going to be Tomori, Kalulu, all these guys at centre-back, all these quality centre-backs. Maybe 3-5-2 mm-hmm. would be an option for some games as well. Very interesting and exciting stuff. Yes, sir. Empoli had the least key passes in this round, too. Goes to show the defensive solidarity as well. Now, um, Cagliari up next for Milan, as we discussed. I'm going to play a game with you, bro, called Who Would You Start? Okay. Okay, I'm going to give you the first one, Florenzi or Calabria on the right. Because Theo Hernandez is back. Calabria. Calabria. It's Mm. not as straightforward as as that, I give, give Give the man minutes. Just give him as many minutes as possible. Right now, he needs to get his groove back. I'm looking at every game right now. So we have nine games remaining. Mm. You know, um, Every game is a final. Yes. So for me, you play the player who is better now. You don't worry about building up form. No, but I, I mean, I think Calabria on 100% is double Florenzi on 100%. Like, okay, Florenzi brings certain threats that perhaps Calabria doesn't with his... Shooting from a distance, although mm. it's not really much of a threat when he can't hit the target. Um, but I, I think I think a, a guy like Calabria, our vice captain, young Italian yeah. right back, you need to give him as many minutes. The man was out with out injured for yeah. a lot of the season, and we know what he's capable of. A game against Cagliari, you afford to give him sixty minutes, and then you bring on Florenzi. Sure, and allow sure. him a run out. I, I would definitely start Calabria. I think what you're saying is absolutely fair, and I do love Calabria. Um, I do rate him very highly as a player, but right now, simply because of how desperate I am to see Milan actually succeed and win every game without any slip-ups, play the man who's on form right now, it's, 
it's Florenzi. He's looked so good now. No, like, he has. You know, I, I, really I cannot say one single bad word about Florenzi. Yeah. He's been he's been a superstar. I'd start him, and even if Davide takes over throughout the game, no problem. Like, but I'd start Florenzi this game. But it's nice to see we disagree on something. Hey, <laughs> we've been doing it a bit recently. Kessi or Brahim? Kessi or Brahim against Cagliari, I would start Brahim against Cagliari. Brahim. They lack some pace at the back. They, they do, do lack, lack pace, some pace at the back. But they're also quite physical. And if you put Brahim in the Trequartista role, you risk him going invisible. Eh, I, th- I think he'll be fine against Cagliari. I-, I think his pace would be enough to terrorize them. Yeah. A- and plus, our strikers are big boys. So they can handle that. They, they can mm. handle the three at the back. I think I think he'll be fine. That's true. If Zlatan starts, maybe we afford to play Brahim, especially with the knock-ons. You know, even Giroud, to be honest, they link mm-hmm. up very well when Brahim's mm-hmm. there. It's very very different. I, I would I would give Brahim a shout this game as well. Nice. Okay, uh, Messias or Salamakers on the right. Mm-hmm. I want to say Salamakers. I really want to say Salamakers. If we start Brahim, I think it might it might make sense to start Salamakers for the, how, like the industrious duo, you know. Bro, I love I love the Leao Brahim Salamakers. Just those those young. They're so different, right? All of them. Ah, like you've got Salamakers, who's got that work ethic, and yeah. when he's on, his passing is fantastic, and he's silky as well. Passing, you know, his, his trickery. When, when 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 he's on, his passing is one. The of short his. passing, the, the one touches, those tight spaces passing. But when it comes to crosses, man, sometimes no, no, he makes no. so when, when but when he's on again, yeah. his crossing is much better than it is true, true, right true. now. True. Um, but in the last game when Salamakers came on, he looked. Good in the past couple of games, he yeah. looked good, and I, I would give him a run out in this game. Fair enough, fair enough. And to be honest, Messias hasn't looked particularly convincing as of late either. Mm-hmm. So, especially tactically, sometimes you know you see players just shouting at them. <laughs> you True. can tell like, he's like a bit lost or confused. Um, Zlatan or Giroud? Um, Zlatan, I'd agree with you and say yeah. Zlatan. Yeah, I'd throw him into the fray as well. There are a few more points I'd like to bring up before we move to the next game, bro. Kessie to Barcelona will happen confirmed. 6.5 million a season. This fee is including Who bonuses. Who confirmed it? Um, Fabrizio Romano. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Done. Uh, <laughs> See you, bro. You know, many people might feel differently. Now, <laughs> Xavi apparently was instrumental in the deal. He said um, he said he like persuaded him himself like, and apparently he turned down a few big money offers from the Premier League as well. Of course, they have to romanticize everything. Mm. Um, okay. So with this news, is should Kessie continue to play until the end of the season? I mean, yes. Eh? I, I guess squeeze every single ounce of Kessie yes. that you have left. Exactly. And and then and then move on. Just don't give him the fucking arm bandages, Ex- fucking Christ. Please. please. Um, just use him to the best of his of his abilities. Exactly. When, oh, you know when you need to break down play from two defensive midfielders, put him in attacking midfield. Play him in defensive midfield when we're playing a team like Inter. Fuck it. Exactly. No, it's it's important to to utilize him, I think, right now. He's there, we might as well, right? And at the end of the day, this guy probably does want to leave Milan with a piece of silverware to his name. Oh, of course. You of know, course, so of course. I doubt he's just thinking Barcelona, Barcelona. I'm sure he wants to win the league with Milan and then and then mm-hmm. go from there. You know, you can tell he's a bit oh, egoistic as well. Grubby fucking fingers there, on the trophy though. There was a debate, bro. Um who's <laughs> who's the biggest bitch? <laughs> The 99, the 10, or the 79? <laughs> Bro, that makes me gag so they much. They who must not be named. Um, the one I dislike the most for obvious reasons would be the 10. 
Mm-hmm. I think the 99 is the biggest bitch, though, for the amount of wines. Yappa, yappa, fucking yappa. Yeah. <laughs> and I think 79 is just deceiving. I think 79 is like, oh, I'm going to be here for fucking exactly. forever. Exactly, that's, that's the problem. The club. So they th- they're, bi- they're bitches for three different reasons, right? Mm-hmm. We have the, the 99, of course, is a bitch. Donnarumma, of course, for those of you who are wondering what the hell we're talking about. I'm sorry, I had to say the name. 99 was a youth product that was made by Milan, you know, raised, gone through the ranks. Mihailovic gave... And all his th- trust, you know, he started him ahead of Diego Lopez, mm. almost lost his job for it, you know. And he waits till the him. final exactly. fucking day to and negotiate. Then, exactly. As though he holds Milan hostage for so long, takes a ridiculously high salary as a teenager. And then says that Milan fucked up by buying Manyan. Like, exactly. shut exactly. up, idiot. And then, of course, there's the 10 who left Milan for Inter for like the same salary. Just for fucking no reason, apparently. He just said it's good to play with better teammates. I hope you're having fun, bro. Hey, fucking I hope you're loser. Having fun. And then there's the, the 79, of course, who's like, I'm the president. I park where I want. This mm. is my club. And then he leaves to Barcelona on a free fucking shafting us completely. But my God. No problem, no problem. Um, what Milan have demonstrated is that no one is irreplaceable. That, that, no, you know? that, that's true. That's true. I mean, Brahim Diaz has been has been replacing Chalonoglu. We thought fucking yeah. Chalonoglu was one of a kind in that position when he was on. Yes, um, and people might complain about Brahim Diaz's form, but he has one goal less than Chalonoglu had all season. Um, this exactly. Is, this is a very very hot debate in the group chat. Eh? Mm. And, and and what you're gonna you're gonna talk to me about Donnarumma being irreplaceable? I fucking thought Donnarumma was irreplaceable, especially after the Euros. But whoa, yeah. what's what's this? Who the we fuck? brought in the drippiest, swankiest goalkeeper I've ever seen in my <laughs> fucking life, man. Uh, yes. Now, the last point before we move on to the next game. Milan will not go for Skamaka, apparently, because they've blocked a Premier League striker, according to various sources. Okay. Now, this could be Lacazette. It could if be it's your... Lacazette, I'm going to fucking... Ugh, no. So, it's a no for Lacazette. No. Okay, let's just do a quick yes or no. Okay. Lacazette. No. Origi. No. Dennis. Dennis? <laughs> the menace, bro. <laughs> no. No. Broha, I believe. Is I don't know these guys now. And Dennis, Tony. Broha, and Tony. Apparently, these guys are all pretty good. I looked up their goal-scoring records. They're all pretty hot strikers right now. But, you know, I, I worry about buying from that Tim Pot League, man. I mean, don't, <laughs> don't fucking bring Lacazette anywhere here. It's a Madonna. Like, <laughs> just don't bring Lacazette anywhere there. He's a fucking meme at the moment. I don't know. I feel like sometimes a change in atmosphere. What is thirty-four kind of, years old? Is he struggling at Arsenal? Lacazette, no, Lacazette is Lacazette. definitely not thirty-four. Lacazette, well, he's in his thirties. For no, he's thirty. He's thirty. He's 30. Why not, man? Why not? He's a good striker. I'm out. We'll see. I'm out we'll for see. Lacazette. I would rather Skamaka. <laughs> God bless you, man. Thank you. I'm a big fan of Skamaka. I'd, I'd like him or Bellotti, to be honest with you. Bring I'd in take, Bellotti I'd and then splash on a right winger or I'd an attacking midfielder. I wouldn't risk bringing in Lacazette. He's quite injury prone as well, man. I enjoy buying from the league, man. Getting league proven players, to be honest, is a very like low risk move, in my opinion. For sure, I'm in. Now Milan go three points clear at the top, while Empoli sit thirteenth, ten points from the drop. So the next game we're going to be covering is Napoli's victory over Verona away from home, 2-1. So Verona came into this match unbeaten in their last three against Napoli. Last time they enjoyed a similar feat was in 1983. 
We all remember that draw between Verona and Napoli in the last match day of last season that cost Gatto Gusa the chance of playing in Champions League with Napoli. He's been so unlucky when it comes to the Champions League, man. He missed out on it with Milan with one point as well. Literally, and, and with Napoli as well. Mm. Verona are coming off an away draw to Fiorentina, whereas Napoli are coming off a 1-0 home loss to Milan. And the last fixture between Verona and Napoli ended in a 1-1 draw. So... Everything unchanged for Hellas Verona, however, Napoli uh, decided to bench Insigne and Zielinski. So, in the 14th minute, Ozyman scored a towering header at the near post after an inch-perfect cross by Politano. Ceccherini put up absolutely no fight to block the cross. I'm just going to say that, I've been hating on yeah, him too yeah, recently. Yeah. But absolutely nothing, didn't even stretch a leg out, but whatever. The, Paul, the Pauli went out injured in the 37th minute and was replaced by Bessa as both teams continued to attack each other looking for that goal. It was however in the 71st minute after a quick throw in by Napoli caught Ceccherini and Tamez off guard allowing Di Lorenzo to run straight into the box and square the ball to Victor Ozyman who finished no problem whatsoever. He even took a picture with Koulibaly, grabbed the camera and took a couple of photos with all the angry Hellas Verona fans that yeah. were giving them hell for the Racist entire... Racist abuse the entire yeah. game. We'll get to that. I've got a couple yeah. of strong points I want to make about that. But yeah, that picture is probably going to be this episode artwork, no? Yeah, I think so. I don't know, probably. Six minutes later, in the 77th, Faraoni scored a fantastic header after Caprari's back heel found Tamez in space, hooped the ball right into the Italian's Testa... And the Colpo di Testa did into the back of the net, right into the top corner. However, things did go from bad to worse for Ceccherini after he was sent off in the 83rd minute after a clumsy handball earned him his second yellow card. And suddenly Verona down to 10, no longer looking to get the equaliser. Mario Rui then hit the post in the 89th after he was left in loads of space outside the box. Petania came in in the 90th minute and got subbed out in the 95th after seeming to pull a muscle, like, just warm up. It's funny how, you know, you, know, you look at Petania and imagine, imagine you, you're out. Imagine you're out on a night out and there's Petania there, you know, standing giant of a man. In front of CFC. Yeah. In front of, <laughs> and, and, you know, you're like, hey, man, what do you do? You're like talking, you know, making small talk, smoking mm. a cigarette, having like a gin and tonic outside. Mm. And he's like, I'm a professional athlete, man. Wouldn't you just go... <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, yes. He's yeah. like, yes, I play football in Serie A for Napoli. <laughs> I mean, it's, but but it, it, it's so unlucky that he goes in the 90th and just pulls up. It's muscle. not unlucky, though. He needs to warm up better. But is it laziness? Do you it think he's a lazy is. player? It, Do you think, think he's too heavy to play football? His physical condition has been criticized by every coach he's had. It's, it's it's as simple as that. He looks it, you know, you look at him, he's different to the others. He's too big. Now, I don't have a problem with people being stocky, you know, like you look at, for example, Wayne Rooney, his whole whoa, career. Whoa, 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 stop fat shaming. Or, or you look at, for example, <laughs> you look at Bajo, for example. Bajo wasn't the typical athlete, you know, he didn't have like mm. Rafael Leo's mm. fucking physique, no. you know, that perfect athlete, like 0% body fat physique. But, you know, with, with Petania, you can tell it's a lifestyle problem. Yeah, he's not, he's not light on his feet. I think as a footballer, you do need to be kind of light on your feet. You need to have certain pace about you. I'm not asking... Even if you're not light on your feet, be a bit mobile. Like, you know, he's yeah. not mobile at all. He's, he's unfit, quite frankly. No. He never gets more than 20 minutes. That's true. That's true. 
Faraoni received a yellow card in the 97th for attempting to turn the ball in using his hand and he was sent off after the final whistle for descent. And that was the end of the match. Hellas Verona 1, Napoli 2. Bro, there was a lot of fucking racist chants going on in the crowd, not only angled towards Anguissa, Ozyman and Koulibaly, but in general towards Napoli for being for Southerners. Being southerners yeah. There were around, I think, there were around seven warnings in the first half and a couple less in the second half. What do you do in that situation? There are a total of like, what, 15 warnings in a game yeah. and then they just fucking keep, keep going on. Well, I think the, the only way to actually change this is by implement we've spoken about this on, a, on an episode a while ago mm-hmm. but this was the worst it's been yeah. for a while I it's think. true it's been a while since we discussed this um stadium bans from mm-hmm. for fa- from fans you know if fans know that they're gonna get if their team's gonna be penalized by not having supporters for the next game if the person next to you in the stands is chanting racist shit you're gonna tell them to shut the fuck up like because you exactly. love your team you know exactly. you have to give people an initiative you know people apparently don't care about the human side so you give them the sporting element mm. of it but then there there are those you know those curva suit guys that just don't yeah, give suit. a fuck well, what M- the Milan's fuck fans man come them. on they're so respectful no I'm not talking about the <laughs> Milan curva suit yeah, you're talking many, about the ultras of course I know but, but the ultras at the end of the day what do they want they want their team to win they understand that if they're there singing the team is going to be more inspired they understand that if they're going to get a stadium ban the team isn't going to have them on their back and they're going to have the opposition fans swearing at them instead without any support. So I, I think that's the way forward, of course. Plus, there's technology to identify the people who are, who are chanting true. the shit. That's so just true. fucking I identify know. them and arrest them. I don't know if there is any action being taken against the Hellas Verona crowd. I fucking obviously hope, hope that there is and it'll be interesting to see how they behave in their next big encounters. This was a specific one against against Napoli. They have a very, you know, tough relationship, Hellas and, yeah. and Napoli. They can't stand each other for some weird reason. But I like the way that Koulibaly handled it. You that know, put... double tackle on yeah. Faraoni. <laughs> Just complete polar opposite of what Ceccherini did yeah. the entire game. Like. I put it on our stories, if, you, if you're wondering what it is, guys. Um, it was a, an insane double sliding tackle to the point that Tudor was just like, what the hell can I do about this? Mm. You know? Farone got up and yeah. shook his hand. Like, he's probably <laughs> winded as fuck, like, just coming off the ground. And, and but Koulibaly, when they, what, what I was going to say, when they were chanting racist shit, he put his finger in one ear and just kept playing, you know, just like, like mm-hmm. I'm, I don't give a fuck what you're saying, you fucking losers. Like. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a, that was a cool stunt by Ozzy as well just picking up the camera and, and taking, taking a picture, taking a picture there, with yeah. Koulibaly next to, <laughs> next to the Verona fans just that's great all great chanting stuff. shit at them no brilliant brilliant reaction although Milan are, are fighting them for the Scudetto at the moment we have to we have to be happy for Napoli in a, in a situation like that so had Gattuso gotten Napoli to Europe last season would he still be there had he secured fourth place yes yes of course yes 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 he would still be there that was the objective no Mm-hmm. Um, that's almost what, what what's his name wants, um, De Laurentiis. Mm. You know, De Laurentiis doesn't wouldn't risk, I think, like winning games if it meant losing out on top four. You know what I mean? I, I wouldn't risk going like all the way, not playing it safe. You know, going to win every single game if it means missing out on top four. He'd, he'd settle for draws just to keep top four and sacrifice winning the league simply because he's so money minded as a businessman. 
Uh -huh, fair enough. I mean, he has his objective. He wants to get his objective. And I agree with you. I think Gattuso would, would still be there. I don't think... I think Spalletti had been out of management for a while. He took a break. Uh -huh. um, and I don't think anyone... Bombing ever... off uh, inter-salary, you know? Uh -huh, I, I, exactly. Posting fucking videos in the, on, the, on a safari, like, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and I don't think anyone ever said, ah, Spalletti is available. You know what I mean? I think it was just Napoli that got in touch because they didn't have a manager. He's a great fucking manager, don't get me he wrong. He was rumored to be joining quite a few teams, actually, before was at he? the top. Yeah, so he's, he's a very respected manager, man. He's a top four guarantee almost as a manager. Okay, I have a bit of a joke prepared here as well. Let's hear it, man. Ceccherini. More like check behind you, man. Hosemann's right there. Just move back a little. That was a good one, bro. Thanks, Thanks dude. Well Thanks. Done, well done. <laughs> More of those, please. <laughs> no, but, but I, I feel If I like check the analytics right now, like, the li <laughs> <laughs> listeners are going to drop right now. What, what minute are we on? <laughs> Yeah, in the 35th minute, we experienced a dip in, in listeners, bro. No, but I think one, one thing I noticed is Verona were leaving space and gaps open for Napoli to attack. So I think specifically in Ceccherini's side of the pitch, that was happening. However, then we saw on the opposite side of the pitch where Mario Rui was left in bags yeah. of space from just outside the area. Um, Ruiz was left in space and he had a couple of cracks at goal and you know how that normally ends up. Thankfully, um, Montepo was on in this game. And Napoli are just great at attacking spaces. I mean, they were playing yeah, Politano, they were playing Lozano, they were playing Ozyman. These are guys that can attack spaces, man. It was and interesting to see, him, to see him bench Insignia as well, man. Uh, to mm -hmm. be honest, power to him, you know, he's been underperforming. Um, so in Simple this case, as. it kind of, it shifted, man. You have the direct winger in Lozano, you have the inverted winger in Politano, and you have the overall menace in Ozyman. You know, this was a nice balanced attack. It was. And the midfield was, was solid too. It was a very good game, this one. Uh -huh. And going into it, I think both of us predicted that draw for, for mm -hmm. obvious reasons. I think Verona bring it against any, any given team, really. And they're, they've been on great form ever since they onboarded Tudor as well. And Napoli just had a fantastic game just to not only win the game, but I don't think at any point Napoli were in danger of dropping points. It's true. They they didn't. Really they won very convincingly. That's true. True. And when they scored, they they got the red card. Exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. This is the two one. I told you. I prefer. I prefer a two one like this over the 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 one nil that that Milan got. For I entertainment think value, more. sure. But like when it comes to your team, imagine Napoli came here and they left with a one nil victory. That's convincing, you know. Yeah, as well. I guess. But Verona are now in ninth place. They're one point ahead of Sassuolo. Napoli in second, three points behind Milan, one ahead of Inter. However, Inter do have that game in hand. The next game we're going to be covering is Torino 1, Inter 1. The reverse fixture finished 1-0 to Inter thanks to a Dumfries goal. Coming into this game, Inter had won their last five games against Torino, scoring 2.6 goals on average per game. Um, having failed to win any of their previous five games against the Granata before that. So this is quite a crazy fixture. Mm -hmm. Torino have only won two of their last 18 home games against Inter. Whoa. Seven winless games in a row for Juric's men as well. So they're on a bit of a poor uh -huh, streak they, right they, now. They've dipped recently. They have, they have. But what a game they played this time mm -hmm. on. 
So the Torino lined up with their 3-4-2-1 formation with Berisha and goal to replace the injured Vanya Milinkovic-Savage, Gigi Bremer and Bongiorno at the back. Bongiorno, good morning. Um, <laughs> Singo, Lukic, Mandragora and Voivoda in the middle, Pobega and Brecolo in the attacking double and Bellotti up front. The attacking double. I the attacking it. double. I was going to say attacking trident, then I realized there are two. And I'm like, what the hell is two for trident or like double, whatever. Interplayed their usual 3-5-2 formation with Handanovic in goal, Bastoni, Rannokia and Skriniar at the back, of course Devry was injured for this one, Perisic, Cialanoglu, Vecino, Barella and Darmian in midfield, of course Vecino taking um, the place of Brozovic who was also injured, Martinez and Zeko up front. In the 12th minute Torino scored a goal. Thanks to Bremer, a corner kick was played in at the far post to Pobega, who was left unmarked by Perisic. Pobega did well to square it to Bremer, who finished well. Ranocchia later on fouled Bellotti inside the box. Now, this was the controversial moment over here. It was a clear foul, in my opinion, and to the opinion of many Inter fans that I discussed this with as well. Um, and on Twitter as well, pundits all admitting that it was a penalty. There was mm-hmm. a silent review, but it was not given. You know, everyone was shocked, to be honest with you. Yeah. The images were clear. We put it up on our story. You know, we ran a poll. Um, most of you thought it was a penalty as well, I, b- I believe. Everyone except your girlfriend Every, voted voted yes, bro. Kiara. She said, how is that yes. a foul? She was like, how is that a foul? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. if I ready to shoot, he tripped him. <laughs> That's not a foul. <laughs> Absolutely shambolic that these things happen in the VAR area, but you are not here to listen to me bitch and moan about VAR. Um, but yes, Does Guida get your shit together? Because it's you again. I believe Guida is um, about to receive a one-month suspension, but that doesn't change anything. You Roasted. Know? Anyway, um, in the 93rd minute, of course, Sanchez scored. There was a Vidal uh, forward ball to Zeko, who intelligently laid it off into space for a start, creating the opportunity for Sanchez to run into space. And find himself in front of the goalkeeper. And he finished well. And Inter managed to take home a point. To be honest, in my opinion, not a particularly deserved point, bro. No, this is one of the of the situations where I'd say Inter deserved to lose yes. the game. I think there was that unjust penalty. And obviously, you know, you, like we always say, you can't criticise a team that fought until the end and, and got a point. So respect to Inter for keeping that energy throughout the game. But when you see a, a shambolic referee decision like that, then it's hard to give the credit to Winter in that case. It is. I, I agree totally. I'm, I'm all for, you know, crediting a team when they deserve it. You know, like, for example, Inter's display against Salernitana deserved credit, for example. And we gave them credit. But mm-hmm. this game, to be honest, was... Um, they deserved the loss here. Yeah. Um, Berisha, one of the... Men of the match, in my opinion, if not the man of the match. He made a couple of good saves. I believe he made six, the highest of this match day. Okay. Um, Handanovic, on the other hand, during Torino's goal, had the opportunity to move three times during that sequence. <laughs> three times. So the corner came and he stood still instead of attacking the ball. It was quite close to him. He could have attacked it. Mm. Pobega passed the ball. He stood still again. You know, and fucking, what's his name? Bremer shot the ball and scored. And he stood still again. Mm. He's standing still. You see his head, it moves from the left to the right, to the left, to the right again, his head. He's not moving at all. who can be moved. (laughs) (laughs) Crazy. It's so frustrating, you know. I would be so frustrated if I were an Inter fan. Yeah, Yeah. it is his style, though. I think they are kind of used to it, but it's hilarious because... Initially, I thought that we were like the only ones that realized that he never moves because yeah. it is common among keepers that they yeah. just like 
give up and they don't they don't go for something they don't think they can make. But then just speaking to Inter fans, because I don't know many yeah. Inter fans, but just speaking to them, they're like, he's good, man, but this doesn't move at times. <laughs> it's true. It's, it's <laughs> very like, frustrating. Oh, my God, you're and right. When, and when it goes in, he looks pathetic, you know, standing mm-hmm. still there, just looking, you know, looking at the ball, ball watching. Um, if you dive, at least you can say, okay, he tried, you know. Yeah. So it just looks lazy, even if maybe his experience, you know, um, helps him understand if something is savable or not. But anyway. Handanovic um, had a good save on it, so though, to be honest, to make up for it. And Brekolo, man, had a moment, bro. Brekolo cut inside, dribbled Handanovic. You know, he has the goal open, but to be honest, it was quite crowded in the area. His shot, but it was cleared off the line. Um, mm. Very unlucky for him over there. And Torino were so good in this game, they, and were, they just they had were. that that firepower. They played like like Juric um, Verona used to play. That's you know, true. Uh-huh, I it see gave that. Me, it gave me flashbacks of them. I see that. Tutto Sport gave Guida a 0 1 10, the referee. <laughs> I mean. And Cor- Corriere called the foul on Bellotti the most shocking decision since VAR was introduced, but anyway. Okay. Um, as we discussed at the beginning of the episode, Inter's game in hand is no longer enough for them to say, hey, we have this cushion. If we fail, we can make up for it with the exactly. game in hand. It's no longer a factor. So right now, the ball is in Milan's court, as we said. Um, Inter ran 116 kilometers versus Torino, the most of any team in this round. So you can't say they weren't hungry. You can't say they weren't trying. They did try. Um, Torino were just too good, in my opinion. Um What's up with these sides, bro? Inter have only beaten Venezia and Salernitana since the start of 2022, and Torino haven't won in seven games. It's interesting. We always say that there's um, you either improve after January or you dip mm-hmm. after after January. I think these two sides. Before I had said that that I thought that Bologna were the only side that have gotten worse, but mm-hmm. come to think of it, that's actual fucking horse shit. Because Inter have gotten worse, Torino have gotten worse, Atalanta have gotten Empoli worse. Empoli have gotten worse. Empoli have gotten worse. There are a bunch of teams that have gotten worse. And either that's a result of poor form from their end, or else it's because of improvements from, from other sides and they're just struggling to keep up. I don't think that's the case at all for Inter. I think Inter have taken a massive slump when it comes to confidence. Um, their players just look off. I mean, every single one, there's nothing sticking for them. They were always hailed for the way they build up play from the mm-hmm. back all the way to the striker. Seems like they're losing possession a lot in that back end as well. The best thing that has happened to them recently is that extension of Brozovic. Yes, because as soon as Brozovic point. isn't in the team, they do something like this. Torino, on the other hand, I would say that their slump would be as a result of the mid-table teams kind of taking a step forward. So, Mm. Udinese performing, you know what I mean? I would say Fiorentina performing, Verona performing, Sassuolo performing, and Torino need to take it up to that next level in order to compete with these guys. I do think that next season Torino will be a force to be reckoned with, especially if they manage to hold on to Juric. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they lose Pobega and Bellotti and then that that would be a... But not necessarily, not necessarily. I think there are a few pieces that can replace him. They would need to buy a striker, definitely. But, um, but yeah, I, I think I think there is what to work with over there. Mm-hmm. Um, it has to be said, I do agree with you, Inter are super Brozovic dependent. Oh, Without sure. him, they, they mm-hmm. don't tick, you know. For sure. He's the metronome, he has very unique qualities, to be honest. Um, and he's been there for a while, you know, he's a real staple in the team and he works his ass off. Defensively and offensively, he's a very good player. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, he he reminds me of that Jorginho role for Chelsea and for yeah. Italy, for example. Literally the the metronome in the in the middle of the pitch. So fair enough. Um, Pobega's performance has divided Milan fans. Funnily enough, I thought he played really well personally. Um, I saw on Twitter recently everyone was like, not not everyone. Some people were saying, you know, oh, we have to sell this guy. Sell him. He's not good enough. Some people were saying, you know, he deserves another loan. While Man. some people were saying, oh, he needs to um, come in as our fourth choice central midfielder. I mean, just give him a season in the kit and then make a decision. You know what I mean? You can't see him for Torino, where he's been so good for he's the been entire good, man. Of the I mean, season. Even so this game, he got good. an assist and he set up. He passed the ball to Bellotti when he was fouled. Mm-hmm. So he should have won. Um, Torino a penalty and got an assist like that's a man of the match fucking performance yeah I, I would agree with you I, I don't I don't think Bobek I should be getting criticised at all I yeah. would take him with open fucking arms of course and unlike. thankfully the management view it in the same way because that's what they are going to do mm. Torino bro sit in 11th with 35 points while Inter find themselves in 3rd 4 points away from 1st woohoo so the next game we're going to be covering is Sampdoria 1, Juve 3. So Juve and Samp haven't drawn in Serie A since 2015, with Juve winning 13 and Samp 2. Samp have only lost more matches against Napoli in the same timeline. Yeah, before I continue, let's do one more shot, because I'm sobering up. Let's do this. I have physiotherapy tomorrow at 8am. Easy now, easy now, easy now. Let's go. Ah, that was Matthew. That was Matthew. Mm. are <laughs> coming off a two-one away loss to Udinese, while Juve are coming off a one-nil home win to Spezia. The reverse fixture was a three-two win for Juve, and Juve did win that Coppa Italia fixture four-one earlier on in the year. Juve still sporting a list of injuries and also chose to start Moiskin ahead of Vlaovic for this one. So in the 23rd minute, Yoshida scored an own goal after sliding in to intercept a low cross by Quadrado, guiding the ball into the back of his own net. Unlucky, but kind of clumsy as well at the same time. I told my Japanese student tomorrow, (laughs) do you know that last weekend Yoshida scored an own goal? He went, Maya? (laughs) And I went, yes. And he went, no! (laughs) Sweet. Just one unit. In the 34th minute, Morata sent Falcone the wrong way from the spot after Colley brought down Keane in the box. And Colley really made it seem like he wanted to bring Keane down yeah. in the box, just stepping all over, <laughs> pulling him down. Colley lost the ball earlier, he wanted to make up for it, and he just kept on fucking up and fucking up. Kandreva saw his penalty saved by Szczesny in the 74th minute after it was won by the Italian himself, whose attempted lob met the hand of Rabiot just inside the area. A free kick was initially given, but Avarcek concluded that this was in fact a penalty. But it doesn't matter because the Polish really is the best in the league from the spot. We'll talk about that later. Uh, It has to be said, bro, that um, Juventus in in reality went 2-0 up without taking a single shot. The only (laughs) shot was the penalty. It's true, it's true, it's true. Hilarious. In the 84th, Sabiri scored his first goal in Serie A from a deflected free kick. The change in direction was too much for Szczesny. And in the 88th minute, Morata scored a header in off Falcone at the far post after a brilliant cross by Locatelli. Alvaro Morata! Alvaro Matara! Matara, that's one. So, could... I think Samp could have nicked a point in this. Had they not missed that penalty. If Kandreva converted that penalty, 
I feel like Samp would have gotten away with a. What minute a was the penalty? Here. Remind me. Seventy fourth, seventy fourth yeah, minute. Yeah. And then they scored in the eighty fourth through Sabiri. They played well, Sampdoria. Of they course, played they well. This is the best I've seen yeah. Sampdoria in a long, long, long time. Since the Sassuolo. Since the Sassuolo four yeah. 0 win. Um, Juve did the thing, right? They scored too early on and they sat back. Um, in yes. fact, in total, they had six shots, not even all of them on target. Like compared to Sampdoria's 17. So they're very good at absorbing, you know, uh-huh. absorbing, absorbing, absorbing. But yes, Kandreva, of course, had he scored, maybe would have seen a different result. Mm-hmm. Just keep in mind, obviously, Juve do have a massive, massive, massive list of injuries. So them getting a result when they were... You can't really say they were outplayed at all, but mm. them them getting a result that doesn't really match how the game went is more of a reason for us to give them respect. I mean, Vlaovic wasn't playing and Morata back two goals, mm. so that's all the respect in the world to Juve for pulling that off. Samp had 13 key passes to Juve's four. That just gives you an yeah. idea of how good Samp were. And, you know, they, they did kind of dictate the tempo of the game every now and then, but again, Juve... You know, absorbed, absorbed very well. Yeah. Now, let's talk about Chesney and his ability from the spot. Do you agree with me that he's the best in the league from the spot? And who do you think gives him around for his money? So, as a rigorista, like a specialist when it comes to saving penalties, there's one guy who's quite underrated at it, Dragovski. Yeah, Dra- Dragovski. He's a fantastic a beast. Guy, I, I took him on Fanta last year for that reason. Like, Yeah, he's really good at it. But Chesney, when it comes to it, has, has it down, man. He walks up to the guy, he shit talk, talks them, you know, he looks them right in the mm-hmm. eye. And he, he often guesses the right way. He loves way, it. He must, he must celebrate when there's a yeah. penalty for the opposition team because it's his chance to You see to him shine, chatting right? shit every time, you know, mm. bottle of squirty water in mm. one hand, you know, his mouth flapping. Literally. Manyan isn't bad at fucking saving. He's not man. bad He's at either. all either. He saved Salah, mm. no? And Salah, I, like, never misses. Yeah. I think the, the 99 is the best in the world at saving penalties, though. But that's fine. We don't need to fuck Who? It. The 99. Who's the 99, man? Stop it. <laughs> Do um, Samp regret signing Caputo or keeping Qualiarella? I think their main problem, Sampdoria, because they can play the ball around all they want and loving sexy magic and, punch yeah. and overlap and this and that and playing it around the middle. They can't get the ball to their strikers. They can't get the ball to their strikers. <laughs> That's because their midfield consists of Thorsby, Rincon, and then they have Kandreva as a makeshift midfielder. And but ever you know. since they, they swapped to this new fucking formation it does seem a bit more difficult to get the ball to the strikers because before you used to see Kandreva in the 4-4-2 of the Versa ah, you used to see Kandreva whooping a dirty ball or you see yeah. whoever the fuck used to play on the left hand side instead of Damsgaard whipping a ball in over there it seems as though in this formation the two strikers are way more cut off than they were before I'm not sure I necessarily agree with that. I think in the nice. 4-4-2, they were, they were totally isolated up front. At least like this, they have the link with Sensi behind them. And we're seeing Caputo more active on the ball. And Qualierla, quite frankly, plays better with people playing off him. Like Sensi and Caputo are quite close to him and he has Kandreva right over his shoulder. But I don't think they give Sensi the, the right support when, when Sensi is on the ball. It doesn't seem like he finds much of them when he's going forward. Uh. Fair enough. Um, I I don't know. I I think, to be honest, it's a 
this is a new system for Sampdoria. Granted, it's a new old system because uh-huh. the system was in place the for strikers a couple of years back. For it. The strikers, the are, strikers not are not particularly made for it, no. And in fact, Qualiella's getting up there in age. You know, he's a fan favorite over there. People love him. But in reality, you know, ideally you have a different striker. A striker yeah. with different qualities. I think this would Qualiella. be Qualiella's last season at, at Sampdoria or else, you know, he'll be transferred to the bench. For yeah, he's 39 years old. Like That's a lot, know, bro. That's a lot, and but he, he did struggle. lose many years. He lost, he lost so many years earlier on in his career. That obviously he just wants to stretch this out for, for as much as he can. With eh? the whole, with the whole drama that he had, poor guy. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know what we're talking about, of course he was stalked um, by a person who he trusted, and he was actually forced to leave Napoli because of this. Exactly. And he joined Juventus. It was a whole Google. It really, it's a crazy story. Um, yes, bro. Um, in fact, there, I think when these guys, when the Sampdoria side adapts to the system, they're going to be much better. I think next season, in reality, if they do stick with Gianpaolo, they will be better. Um, especially, you know, his four-three-one-two. The fullbacks are very important to it, you know. And I think if mm-hmm. if Augello and Conti really get going, I think it'll be it'll be good for them. I think this is the first time in a while where Sampdoria can say that they were happy with that performance. Okay, it wasn't a win, but they really threatened a side like Juve that have been unbeaten for 16 matches, which is just ridiculous. 16 matches in a row, which is ridiculous. So I think Samp should go home with their heads held high. And they've got one clear target. It's to stay up. Not that hard, you know know what I mean? The absolute audacity... Of Allegri to rest Vlaovic. <laughs> hey, man. Hey. And I was so pissed off because I have him on my Fanta. Oh. And if I got a goal, I would have won. Because Mintov yeah. didn't get a single goal either. Just like me. Because Raspadori got me yeah. a fucking red day. That don't idiot. worry. Don't worry. He's on my menu. Mm. And, and fucking Juve got a penalty and Morata took it on score. That was livid, I have bro. to say, massive, massive, massive shout-out to Morata, you know. He's stepped up He's so stepped much. up since Vlaovic arrived. He's actually improved as a player. You know, yeah. he's, he's been playing really well. Yeah, normally, you know, players tend to get in their shell. I remember when, when Benzema joined Real, Higuain stopped performing and he went like yeah, they on, feel this, insecure. on this strike. They feel insecure, they're like, they want to replace me, they're like replacing me. But Morata just found himself even more with, with Vlaovic in the that's team. That's true, that's true. So Juve are in fourth, they're three points behind Inter, who have a game in hand. But fuck me, three points behind Inter now. <laughs> Samp 16th, one point ahead of Cagliari and four points from the drop. The next game we're going to be covering is Udinese 1-Roma 1. The reverse fixture ended in a 1-0 victory for Roma. Coming into this game, Roma had won 15 of their last 17 games against Udinese in Serie A, losing twice, keeping 10 clean sheets in this period. The last time these sides drew was also 1-1 back on the 9th of March 2013. In the 15th minute, Molina scored a fantastic goal goal, after Pellegrini. It was fantastic, really great goal. Um, Pellegrini could not clear Delefeu's corner far enough. Um, the ball fell straight to Molina's feet as he struck it first time, the 23-year-old Argentine. Such a sweet curler, sweeter than Deletta Leotta covered in maple syrup. Oh. This was Udinese's first goal against Roma in 297 minutes of play. The last one came from Nestorovsky on the 2nd July 2020. Jesus. 
Shortly after in the first half, Makengo dispossesses Zalewski and forces Rui Patricio into a spectacular save onto the crossbar. After the save hit the crossbar, the ball hit Rui Rui Patricio's head (laughs) and hit the post again. It was actually quite comical watching it in slow motion. Um, In the 94th minute, Lorenzo Pellegrini scored a penalty thanks to um, Ziegler, who handled the ball quite clumsily inside the area. Quite unlucky as well, I felt for him, to be honest. Mm. Um, Silvestri guessed the right way, but Pellegrini slotted it into the back of the net. Mm -hmm. So, normal stuff, you know, no open play goal for Roma this week. I guess we could call last week's goal a freak occurrence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Udinese are a tough team to, to score against, as we learned the hard way as well. Sure, just like Spezia, right? Yeah, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> just like any team that fucking Roma play against. But mm-hmm. anyway. um, Roma can thank Rui Patricio for their point earned, in my opinion. Um, what an upgrade over Paolo Lopez and Mirante, bro. I agree, I agree. I, I always really rated him, even in the in the Premier League and for the Portuguese national team as well. What a keeper, man, Patricio. He's fantastic, just... really. So dominant in the area as well. Yeah. Roma dominated the possession 64%, but could not do anything with it. They are much better against sides that that attack them, quite frankly. We always talk about this, right? Yeah, that's true. As soon as, you know, it's it's Mourinho's style. He, yes. much like Allegri, does like to absorb a lot of pressure, mm-hmm. but he likes to hit more on the counter-attack rather than just sitting back. So giving him that space and not being those conservative midfielders such as Makengo and Jajalo, for example... Mm-hmm. Um, they, they don't really give Roma space to play And can I just say Pereira's been so good And Udinese have been so much better Since Pereira has come back What an impact he yeah, has on the team, man For sure, he's been, he's been super um, In fact, though, contrary to this You know, mm-hmm. um, Roma seems to run rampant Against Atalanta, for example Who actually play an open game Who attack you And they actually allow Roma to counter So in reality, it goes to, to show That maybe Gasperini got it wrong yeah, I think I he think should have allowed Roma to have the ball. Change your system, you know. I know you're you're notorious for playing the same style, you know, constantly the same attacking pressure type game. But like yeah. in that situation, just sit back, let them have the ball. They can't do anything with it. Yeah, and I think that's a conversation we should have about about Atalanta and their struggles right now. Obviously, we've seen them slip up to seventh place at the moment. I believe it is seventh place that they're in. And I think there is a bit of, obviously they are going through an injury crisis, but I think there could be a bit of criticism that they don't adapt to certain games. Like, these guys already lost to Roma and they, and they lost four goals to nil. Yeah. Now, I know they had their injuries, but they can adapt the game slightly to they can. that result. They can. What they're doing is working in Europa League, though. So that's, yeah, that's true. That's, that's cool. true. They can well, actually Europa qualify. League teams aren't used to them. If they win the Europa League, we'll have five Italian teams in the Champions oh League. Oh my God. Can you imagine that? Let's go. Let's go, baby. So, Makengo had a good game. I was unlucky not to find the back of the net, in my opinion. I like the guy, Makengo. Yeah, French Makengo's midfielder, really good, very good. Even Jajalo. I really like those two yeah. together, man, the midfielder. I believe it's Yayalo. Yayalo. I'm not even sure, so Yaya. we're probably both pronouncing it wrongly. It's probably <laughs> Yajalo. <laughs> or Jayalo or some shit. Or Libby. No, <laughs> Libby. Should um, Beto spend another year at Udinese? I mean... Yes, uh, he, he's on loan with an option to buy, I, yes. I, I believe. But I think they'll redeem him. Yeah, I, they, they should redeem him. I mean, he, he's slipping up right now, but I, I think it's it's something that I say a lot. Players need time. Yes. Just think of yourself starting a new job in a completely different environment. You need time to adapt. You need, you need you know, a year to get into that full flow. Maybe for some it's, it's four months. Maybe for some it's, it's one year. And 
Beto seems to be struggling a little bit with his confidence. We know what he brings to the table. He brings that pace. He brings that power. Finishing touches a little bit off. Yes. But give him a preseason at the club and I'm sure he'll brush that up. That's true. That's true. Um, a bit more confidence, a bit more practice um, yeah. when it comes to his finishing. Um, but, you know, the quality is obviously there. It's very easy to see. Yeah. Bro, the last question about this game. If you were Zaniolo. Okay. Would I you wish. Would you go to Juve? If I were Zaniolo, would I go to Juve? Yes. The answer is no for me. I mean, there, there, there's obviously that, that direct, you know... Hello. Um, I'm here. You're here? Coming. Bye-bye. Sarah's here. Okay. She's going to come and take part. Ah, cool, cool. Okay, I'm, I'm just going to answer your question while, while you're away. Keep going and then tell me what you said. Though. Okay, n- no problem. Repeat twice, basically. Brilliant. So, I personally think that with what Zaniola has been through with injuries and, and, and all the crises that he's faced in his career, that putting him up against Chiesa right now for a spot at Juve isn't exactly going to do him a world of good. Sure, obviously no competition is bad competition and he's going to rise to the occasion. But I do believe that, again, I'm going to talk about getting minutes, man, and then getting minutes and getting minutes. The guy was sidelined for years of his career and he's still so young. So Mm -hmm. he needs as much playing time as possible and I don't think a move to Juve is going to do that for him. But imagine they keep the 4-4-2 and they play Chiesa on the right and Zaniolo is a striker alongside Vlaovic. Yeah, but then he's playing out of position, isn't he? But he's been playing as a striker with Roma anyway. Nice, uh, and and I don't I, I don't think he should be playing there pretty much. I know he's been decent over there alongside Tammy Abraham, but that's very much fitting the system that he's in because there's a large striker and he needs someone a bit more mobile next to him. Um, Hello, Sarah. <laughs> okay, she's being awkward. She's being awkward. Say hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were just talking. No, no, no. Well, we are just talking. There's just a microphone between us. I mean, that's what a podcast is. They will just sit down and, and talk shit for two hours, apparently. That's it. That's it. Sarah asked us a kill, marry, fuck, bro, on the, on the podcast <laughs> question, <laughs> actually. You want to ask it to us live right now, Sarah? Or we can ask her. We'll put it on her. <laughs> okay. A female perspective. Okay, okay, yeah. okay so it was between Giroud, Calabria and Theo Hernandez, right? I believe you said Ooh. kill, marry, yes, fuck. Yes. Fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. You want a shot? I think, no, <laughs> I think I would marry Giroud because he's the sexiest one. And the mm-hmm. perfect man. Is that? Um, fuck Theo and kill Calabria. You'd fuck Theo and kill Calabria. Because Calabria reminds me of my ex, so <laughs> <laughs> I can't like <laughs> I would I would marry Calabria. I, I think I'm gonna need to fuck Giroud and, and kill Theo in, in this case. And and Theo would be a great I, I feel like Theo would rail me, but but I would need to kill him in this case. In this case I need to think about Milan and Milan only. And I think that the best thing to do would be to Okay, fuck Theo Hernandez because we need to you know, he needs to stay with Zoe at the end of the day. Yeah, that's Because true. Zoe is keeping him with Milan, you know, she's from Milan herself. She has... They're having a kid, you know, they have a if baby on the way. Congratulations. But, no, he, he's probably... Zoe left gets right it. Exactly. Yeah. She gets you don't it. know she Zoe. Sorry, Zoe. Calabria I would have to marry. 
because I love him and I believe he's you know he's the captain exactly and he's the guy for Milan you know right, there, the right captain. Back. but unfortunately somehow I'm gonna have to kill Giroud yeah, you're gonna kill the he's, only guy that's scoring I'm gonna kill the, the only, only guy, guy that's him scoring but no no I'm, I'm saying this this kill Mary fuck takes place when the season finishes Okay, okay, okay it's not going to take place now. If it takes place now, I'm afraid I'm going to have to kill yeah, Calabria. <laughs> we need Giroud till the end of the season. That's true. Bro, where the fuck were we? I was saying how I was, if I were Zaniola, I wouldn't yeah. move to Juve. What would you do? Um, I would I would go to you, to one of the top four. I'd go to a Champions League team. Okay, it makes more sense for him to go to Milan. I think so too, actually. Milan Milan need a right winger. For, for sure. sure. I'd take Zaniolo. Yeah. Fuck it. I'd take him too. I'd take Why him not? in a heartbeat. But I'd prefer Berardi or someone. We have a question, actually. I'll save my opinion for later. Nice, nice. Brilliant. Do um, you want to conclude this or do you have anything else you'd like to we add? We can conclude. Um, Roma are sixth with 48 points. Eight points off of a Champions League spot, while Udinese are 14th, eight points clear from the drop. So next year we're going to be covering is Lazio 1, Venezia Nilla the Olimpico. So Lazio unbeaten in their first four, in their last four rather, against Venezia and haven't lost to them at home in their last 10 fixtures. Lazio coming off a 3-0 away victory to Cagliari, whilst Venezia are coming off a 4-1 home loss to Sassuolo. The reverse fixture in this was a 3-1 victory for Lazio, so needless to say, Lazio do enjoy scoring against Venezia. Pedro and Henri started on the bench for Lazio and Venezia, respectively. So, Immobile scored a stunner in the first half, but it was cancelled after a VAR check. The Italian was in an offside position. It was brilliant play by Lazio and a fantastic finish by the top scorer in the league as it stands. whoop de doo Oh yes, you. and that's going to get me a kit, baby! Exactly, a Caprari kit. A Caprari kit, or to be honest, bro, if Immobile wins it for me, I would just ask you for an Immobile kit. Fair you enough. Know, Lazio's all-time highest. I won't tell score. you to get me a Vlaovic kit because I don't want a Juve kit. Like, That's a problem, you know. I would like one for the wall, exactly. just to hang it up, exactly. but I don't want to buy one. Oh, just a brick in the wall. In the 58th minute, Chiro converted with a bullet from the spot after Luis Felipe almost took a kick to the face and won the penalty. There was no contact that was made, and I watched many a replay yeah. to find that out. Absolutely no contact made, but you could it's say... It's one of those that when you slow it down, it looks worse. Exactly. It is one of those. You could, however, make the argument that it is dangerous play. I don't mm-hmm. know if normally dangerous play counts as a penalty in that case. It's a bit of a weird one, but I don't know. I do feel like... If there was no contact made, it's a bit of a dodgy call, but you could give the referee the benefit of the doubt in this scenario. Uh, yes, um, it was hilarious seeing Zakani diving over and over before that, you know, and I'm pretty sure the referee was adamant to not give this one just because of how Zakani had been diving beforehand. But when he went to VAR, you know, he slowed it down. The boot is so close to his face, you give that. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think so. Um, yeah, that was my first point actually about Zakani. He tried to win two penalties by diving, one more embarrassing than the other. How embarrassing is that for, for Zakani? Now, first of all, it's, it's super embarrassing. Second, <laughs> second of all, it's, it's particularly embarrassing because he's missing the big game next weekend. Oh, he's missing, the, he's missing the, derby the derby della capitale, you know, against Roma. Oh my God! So that's a good excuse for them to start Pedro and then we get a pig's head thrown <laughs> thrown at him during the game, bro. What is the worst dive you've ever seen in football? 
um, when someone th- when one of the Celtic fans threw a flare at Dida. Mine is also a Milan Celtic game, but it was Gilardino's dive after rounding the keeper. <laughs> he dove after like two seconds of rounding the keeper, knocked the ball a bit too far past him. It was going wide, and he Alberto Gilardino played that violin for me, baby. <laughs> Lazio struggled. Are they lucky to come away with a point in this game? Um. Yes, they are, because the penalty was so dubious and they couldn't score from open play, so I would say they are. Um, Venezia showed a lot of grit, a lot of balls, but unfortunately for them, they struggled to really get to hold possession for very long. I saw a statistic that said that they held possession for only 17 minutes this game. Jesus Christ. Um, the lowest in match day 29. My God. Yeah. My God. And obviously, Anderson, Immobile and Zakanye started up front for Lazio. Pedro's just their best winger, isn't he, though? He is. Whenever he, is. he comes on, the game just changes. And it's nice to bring him on off the bench. But, yeah. I mean, start 34 years old, and look at the impact he's made. Um, which goes to show, you know, I, I have recently been been begging, <laughs> my, like, talking to people like um, Di Maria. Yeah, Milan. Di Maria Begging to Milan, Di Maria would, Maria be, Milan yes. would He's 34 nice years one. old as well, you know, I, I think he could and do I a think, lot I of damage he, for yeah. Milan. You know? I think Serie A is a, would be a nice fit for him as well. I think so too. I have another question. Is Nani really a star in Venice or were we slightly ahead of ourselves there? Nani is a star in Venice, he's just not playing like one. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> but he is a star in Venice, you know, he's a legendary player at the end of the day for for Manchester United the fans think of him very very highly they think of him as that player who had that bad start with them but then eventually picked up and helped the likes of Ronaldo and Rooney win everything they want that's true Um, Insame started up front again we're seeing that Paolo Zanetti has stayed true to his word and he said that he wants to see some more pace up front However, I do like Henri up front for them, man. The more I think about it, the more I want to see Henri there. I like what Insame brings to the table. His game is slightly more... It's slightly different to Henri's, you know? It's slightly more team-oriented. He's mm-hmm. kind of a good link-up player as well. But um, yeah, I, I would start Insame, to be honest with you, bro. Every now and then. Okay. Why not? Why okay. not? Every now and then, I would agree. Henri has rotate, so many, so many three, four-on-ten performances, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's true. However, I do feel like there's more of a chance of Henri scoring. I think if you get a cross in there, there's a, there's a good possibility that he'll manage to get his head at the end of those, and we know how those... And some is a giant as well. He's taller than Henri. Yeah, uh, that's true. That's true. But Henri is better in the air. I think, I think we'll have well, to... I don't know. That. Remember, Insam has just arrived, so we haven't really seen what he's, what he's really capable of yet. Fair enough, fair enough. But I think if I think personally, if, if you're not going to start Henri, then then flip him because you did spend a certain amount for him. You're I'm Venezia. not sure they can flip him at this point. I'm not sure they can get six million for him. Get five. What's get four. The point? Hold on to him then. Maybe he'll take you back up next year. Maybe he'll have a great season in Serie B. Um, I want to give a shout out, bro, to Caldara. What yeah, a great Caldara defensive a very, performance, very game. especially dealing with Zakani and his shenanigans, you know, yeah. he was very, very mature over there. Yeah, he made it very clear that absolutely no contact was made, there was no yeah. replay needed um, from, from the referee. How, uh, so Immobile, mm-hmm. why does he still struggle for Italy? He's such a fucking good striker, he is a complete striker Immobile. Yes. To me, he's one of the best strikers in the world, man. So I think Top five in the world, I would say, Chiro. I wouldn't say that Immobile is a top five striker in the world. I, I would not say that. But okay. um, 
I'd say so confident. I'd say he's a top top five striker in Italy. I'd even say he's a top three striker in Italy, to be honest. I think he's the best striker in Italy alongside Vlaovic. Um, I think it's, sure, it's a clear distinction, yes. those two. I don't know, you know. And, and the rest. Sure, 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 sure. He is probably the best striker in Italy domestically. But yeah. I think there's a big difference between playing in front of the Lazio fans who you've proven yourself in front of, you know. Um, these guys sing your name, they have your name at the back of their kits, you know, they absolutely love you, they adore you. Well, when you're playing with Italy, you're almost a villain. You're, you're that guy who can't really get going for them. Yeah. So, so there's a different pressure to it, for sure. So Plus, not to mention a different system. Though. Yes, but to be honest with you, he's playing in Sarri's system now, which is quite, which is not totally different from Mancini's system. It's also quite progressive, you I know, guess. wingers. So maybe this will actually help him settle in with That's the national true. team. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the World Cup. We're seeing Scamacca rising the occasion. We're seeing Balotelli and Joao Pedro getting the call up. Apparently, as well. apparently that that fourth spot is up for grabs. Apparently there is so Scamacca, Mobile, and Bellotti have been confirmed. Okay. And that fourth spot is between João Pedro and Balotelli. Who would you take? João Pedro. In a heartbeat. Yeah. For sure. Me too. Take Me João too. Pedro. Of course. Without a shadow what the of fuck doubt. is this? And if it was any other coach other than Mancini, it would be obvious. But anyway. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Lazio are in fifth place. One point ahead of Roma. Venezia in 18th. Three points behind Cagliari in safety. But they do have a game in hand. The next game we're going to be discussing is Atalanta nil Genoa nil. The reverse fixture was also Atalanta nil Genoa nil. Atalanta are now unbeaten in 12 of their last 13 matches against Genoa. They have drawn 4 and won 8. The last time Atalanta lost to Genoa was on the 22nd December 2018. 3-1, a Christmas miracle. <laughs> Genoa haven't won any of their last 26 league games and have gone on to draw seven in a row since the appointment of Blessing. Nil nil to Udinese, nil nil to Roma, one one to Salernitana, one one to Venezia, nil nil to Inter, Empoli and Atalanta. Not bad, huh? Alexander. Not Alexander, bad at all. Not bad at all. Great. If you yawn one more time, I'm gonna shove my finger I'm in your throat sorry. and I'm gonna play with your uvula, dude. I had such a long day. Go okay, now um, Atalanta lined up with their typical three four one two formation with Sportiello and goal probably because Musso had the midweek game. Scalvini at the back, Palomino and Jim City. Zappacosta, Miners, Pessina and Mele in midfield. Pasalic as the Czech Artista and Malinowski and Muriel up front. Genoa played their 4-2-3-1 system with Sirigu in goal. Vasquez, Ostigard, Maximovic and Frendrup, who made his Serie A debut at the back. Um, Badelli, good game by him as well. Very, Frendrup. very good game. Very good game. A very good debut. Badelli and Galdames in the middle, Portanova, Amiri and Melagoni, who's a, a Bergamo youth actually, fun fact, okay. and Yeboa up front. Now, play by play, in the first half, Melagoni and Vasquez had opportunities to test the keeper but didn't do so, catching practice for Sportiello. Pasalic had a great moment where he nutmegged his man and squared it to Muriel, who fucking curled it first time but it hit the post, you know, it was so unlucky there. It looked like it was going to be a typical Muriel goal. Mm. Um, in the second half, Muriel flicked it on to Coop Miners with his head, and this was such a slick play by Coop Miners. He um, knocked the ball past Ostegard and beat him with pace, squared it to Pasalic, but Sirigu actually came out very well, forcing the Croatian to shoot high. Is that experience for Sirigu there? Yeah. Destra let the ball roll past him as he turned and shot it wide just outside the area, and Frendrup, the, the um, debutant, had a golden opportunity to score, but he couldn't get it past Sportiello, so he missed yeah, his one-on-one -on -one situation. Yeah. Unlucky, very unlucky. 
Um, Atalanta Leverkusen gave us the impression that Atalanta were going to come back with a vengeance, you know, that Luis El Gordo Muriel was going to go on one of his unstoppable runs. Um, but Why along did you came... just call him? <laughs> I was talking to a Colombian friend of mine, oh. um, Jonathan, and I was telling him... You have like, a Colombian friend named Jonathan? Yes. That's he's, insane. He's a legend. <laughs> um, and we we're talking about basically the Colombian national team and how Muriel never scores, but then he's always scoring for Atalanta and all that stuff. Um, and then, like, Muriel scored against Leverkusen, I sent him a text, and he replied, El Gordo. And I was like, what the hell? Like, is that his nickname? He's like, no, in Colombian, it's like a term of endearment, which means the fatty, or little okay. fatty. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what, apparently, that's how they refer to people. It's, it's the, like... The skinny a, one, the fat one, like, it's very like, physical. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I had no idea. But anyway. Um, but along came Alexander Blessing. To stop Atalanta. The only undefeated manager in Serie at the moment. That's fucking hilarious. Master man. tactician. Gagan press enthusiast. Destro critic. You know. <laughs> great. Great manager. I think I think if they manage to hold on to him. They might be back next year. If they get relegated. Of course. It's seeming like they will. Yeah. But it's, it, it, it'll be interesting to see how it will affect their starting eleven Because more often than not. You know. We see teams get relegated. And, and then. Their team would be absolutely unrecognizable down in Serie B. But to be honest, looking at their starting eleven, I don't really see many players that are going to be picked up by the by the top teams. Bro, they probably don't even own half these guys. That's true. That's true. I mean, Destro probably will move to the MLS if they get relegated. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Sirigu will probably join some mid-table um, Serie A team. True. Vasquez is hot property. Ostegard will return from loan. Maximovic, I believe, is on loan Porta from Napoli. Portanova. is highly sought after. It's true. Yeboah. But my... Sorry, excuse Matt, guys. He's an old man. I can't stop fucking yawning. But uh, I think I think Genoa did a great job in this game. I mean, you look at the stats over here and they very much brought it to Atalanta. That's they, like did. They, they did. They held back or anything of the sort. They played Atalanta's game against Atalanta and they came out with a point. I don't that, think That's the thing with Genoa. They're playing an open game. They're attacking. They're progressive. They're brave. You know, mm. they, they, had, they outshot them. You know, What's... they outshot... No, they didn't outshoot them, actually, sorry. Um, they did outshoot them. Did they, they, outshoot did out- them? they had 13 shots to Atalanta's 11. Oh, they d- so yes, yes, you're right. Yes, 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 How yes, many yes, points yes. are they off Venezia now? They're three points off of, off of Venezia. Man, man, man. They, who knows, like, honestly, who knows? Man, Salernitana. Genoa are, are the type of motherfuckers to survive. Only. Genoa are the relentless type. Remember, we said at the end of the season, in January, they'll fix up their team at the beginning of the season, sorry. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, my next point. Minyaf. <laughs> so, yes, Palomino, 17 recoveries. Oh my God. Absolutely gargantuan. To oh think he God. was only brought in because Papu Gomez recommended him. He was like, yeah, hey, I, I used to play with this guy back in Argentina. I said, it's Palomino, he's really oh good. Like, and they brought him in. They actually brought him in. And they ended up selling Papu Gomez and sticking. With um, Palomino, but yes. That's insane. He's been so good for them. Yes, he, he has been amazing for them. Uh, yes, Atalanta sit in sixth, seven points below Juventus in fourth, but have a game in hand. Genoa sit in 19th, six points off of safety. So the next game we're going to be covering is the Derby della Pennino, which is Fiorentina against Bologna. Fiorentina came out victorious, one goal to nil. 
So it's called the Derby dell'Appennino because the Apennine Mountains split Emilia Romagna and Tuscany, which is where these two teams are located. Bit of fun facts for you here. So since 2013 and 2014, Fiorentina have been unbeaten against Bologna and Serie A thanks to 10 wins and 6 draws. Fiorentina are coming off a 1-1 home draw to Verona, whilst Bologna are coming off a 0-0 home draw to Torino. The reverse fixture was a 3-2 away victory for Fiorentina, and this time Bologna are missing Dominguez and Theat, whilst Fiorentina opted for Sotil, Piontek and Gonzalez up front. So the game started off with Soriano just smacking the crossbar in like 13 seconds. So the ball was played over to him, Odriozola kind of misjudged the ball, he kind of had a little slip as well, saw the Italian clean through on goal. He took the ball first time on the bounce and he whacked the crossbar. It was then the 40th minute that Orsolini hit the post after he found himself in too tight of an angle after rounding Terracciano. I mean, those two streaky players just hitting the post yeah. is quite classic, in my opinion. <laughs> now, just as you thought Bologna were the better side, Bonifazi was sent off in the 41st minute after he miscontrolled the ball and clattered into Torreira, earning his second yellow card of the match and subsequently was sent off. Coming in to the second half, Torreira hit the post in the 53rd minute from a long-range drive after he heard that I would sell him if he didn't learn how to shoot properly. <laughs> sure, he wanted to, you know, prove me wrong in that case. And then fuck my life, Torreira scored in the 70th minute after fumbling the ball over the line after a Castrovilli cross. So, proved wrong, it proved wrong. A, it was a, a great goal, actually, Estia. Well, he, he didn't really. He, he just needed to get a touch to it to put it over the line, and, yeah. and he had to rebound it. <laughs> the back he, to that he, said, he said that um, the coach trusts him to go in, into those situations. That's what we were discussing last week, pretty much. You uh -huh. know, he said he works hard, and quite often players don't track him while he's making the run into the box. That's you know? true. That's so true. so he's going to find himself in these positions. Yeah, he does find himself in a lot of space throughout the game. And, and needless to say, apart from us criticizing him for his shooting, he does have a bit of that Brozovic role over there where he does dictate yeah. the game for Fiorentina. He was massively underrated at Arsenal. I hate the fact that he went to the Premier League. He was so good in Serie A always. Yeah. Bologna could have very much taken something from this game. I mean, they whacked the post twice and then one minute later, Bonifazi got sent off. I mean, you have to criticize Bonifazi for that. Two very clumsy yellow cards. And I mean, the second one, you just miscontrol the ball like that and then just sprint into the player on the ball. <laughs> Get your second yellow, I mean, 41st yeah, yeah, yeah. minute, man, you know what I'm talking about. Talk about, about salt in the wounds, you know, you make a mistake, you try to fucking recover from the Literally. mistake and you get sent off. It's like what happened to Colli for, yeah. for Samp against Juve. Bologna ran 97 kilometers, which was the least in this game week. Um, is in, Yeah, please. Sorry, go, go on. I was just going to make a point that Inter's game in hand against these guys, like, doesn't... It shouldn't scare them at all, man. You know, Bologna, it shouldn't scare Inter at no, all. Eh? I think all, there are two guaranteed yeah. victories in the in the league. We, we for said now. this. We said this last time. It yeah. Empoli and Bologna, right? Well, three actually. Okay. Empoli, Bologna, and Samp. And I would say those are those are all guaranteed victories at at the moment. Now watch that bite me in the ass. <laughs> Is Italiano the most impressive manager in the past two years? If there were a manager of the past two years, Award. would he win that trophy? Purely gives him a run for his money. You know what I mean? Um, but I would say Italiano, man. 
Gasperini's up there as well. Ah, but this yeah, his year. Champions League run. No, this year, no. But in the, the last past two, two years, three years, four years, five years, Gasperini for sure. But um, past two years, okay, I would say probably Pioli, man. What Pioli's done with Milan, I mean, like, t- of course, you're going to say, of course, he's going to say Pioli, he's a Milan Ooh. fan. But no, no in reality, in reality, Pioli has been the underdog. What happened at the beginning of the season? Many people don't remember. People were calling Pioli the worst manager in the top seven. That's true. Saying that Milan are fucked, they have the worst manager in the top seven, the worst manager in the top seven. Okay, look at Milan now, you know. Mm-hmm. And this is with seemingly refereeing decisions going against Milan. Yeah. Injuries like I've never seen before. Bro, purely is Brad Pitt and Moneyball. I mean, you lose <laughs> your three best players on a free exactly. and, you, and you're doing exactly. good. Exactly. He's like, we're losing Donnarumma, bring me money on. Statistically, he's better. <laughs> like just Jonah Hill. Giroud, yeah, exactly. bring in Giroud. But I, 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 like, I can't disagree with the shout of purely because what he's done is ridiculous, mm-hmm. especially after Gianpaolo's stint at Milan. I mean, it was very much needed to bring someone on board like him. I could make the argument that Gattuso laid out some of the groundwork for that of and course. turned Milan into a top seven team. Of course, it, it all before. stems back from, you know, back in the, I would even Suso say, era. exactly, exactly, everything, you know, it's a domino effect. Yeah, however, I would give the argument that Italiano deserves the best manager of the past two years award, simply because... What he did with Spezia was enormous. Yes. Because they were new to the league. He was new to the league. And what he did is just, you know, respect. And then Fiorentina, I will remind you, bro, they were fucking awful last year. And in his first year, they're fighting for Europe. So for that reason, I will give him the I'm sorry, Fiorentina were awful last year because Comisso didn't adapt. Comisso was emotional. Rocco Comisso, the, the owner of Fiorentina, decided to stay with Iacchini who should have never even been there to begin with. But nonetheless, and now he lost Vlaovic. I believe Fiorentina with Vlaovic were an 8.5, and now they're a 7, and they're still, bro, fighting for that European spot. I have to give him all my respect in the world. Sure, of course, of course. I I agree that Italiano is a fantastic manager who has been overachieving and deserves all the praise in the world, yes. Fiorentina are getting a new logo. Yes, we have no idea what it's like. I think, you know that tracksuit you bought me mm-hmm. and it's the circle with the logo of Fiorentina in the yep. middle? I bet you it's that. Really? I bet you they're, okay. they're ditching the triangle thing and they're putting it in a circle. I bet it's going to be the, just an F like Facebook. Blue and everything like... You think so? No, I'm taking the piss. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Like, definitely not. Blue. <laughs> Fiorentina. Just the F in Avenir, like, you know <laughs> God, I'm excited to see it. Typically, they, they've been trying to make these logos look more marketable, just so they yeah. can slap them on clothes. And They're make getting them look more cool. basketball, in my opinion. These. They look like the Adidas logo, the Nike logo. You know, you see like Juve's, for example. Juve's logo looks pretty cool on a jacket. You know, their merch is pretty cool. Yeah. So, so that, I think that's the direction many people are, or many clubs rather are going to. Uh, how would you um, feel about Milan getting a new logo? If Milan changed their logo, I'll probably cry a bit. Yeah, I'll, I I will feel upset about it, but I'd be excited to see to see what the new brand is going to look like I, at the same yes. time. Yeah, you just you know you it's can't modernize be too nostalgic right? about it's these things. It's important, especially like, if everyone around you changes it. Like like yeah. Verona have a very modern logo. 
Yes, I, I they mean, changed that, what, that was two years ago. Of that, course, that they, it, it, that it was very this similar. This was that yellow to, and dark blue one. Exactly, similar to Bologna and Milan's kind of. But, exactly. But just a mess of yellow and blue, exactly. Uh-huh. No, I, I, I absolutely adore Milan's brand, Milan's, yeah. you know, logo as well. So I, I hope that they don't change it, but I think there will come a time where the entire top 20 teams are going to end up changing their logo. Yes. But that, that's pretty much it for this match day. Fiorentina are in 8, 2 points behind 7th place Atalanta. Bologna 12th, 2 points behind Torino. The next game that we're going to be covering is Salernitana 2, Sassuolo 2. The only previous Serie A meeting between Salernitana and Sassuolo was back in September 2021. The Nero Verdi won 1-0 thanks to a Domenico Berardi goal. The two teams have also met four times in Serie B, however with one Salernitana win followed by three Sassuolo wins. Now in the 8th minute Bonazzoli scored a goal, you know Salernitana opened the scoring. Now going into this game of course it's very important to, to understand the situation here. Salernitana understand that nothing less than a victory is enough. Mm-hmm. You know the fans are absolutely hyped, they have a crazy fan base mm-hmm. singing the entire time, you know the sun's shining, everything. Absolutely crazy, lovely, beautiful scenes over there in Salerno. In the eighth minute, of course, Bonazzoli scored. Um, every the stadium erupted. It was beautiful. Um, a Juric header forced Consigli into an awkward save as he spilled the ball into Bonazzoli's path. It seemed like Consigli tried to catch the ball, but the crossbar uh, got in the way. Uh, that, that, that's know? how I feel. Yeah. The 24 Italian, uh, 24 year old Italian <laughs> ran off with his machine gun celebration after tapping it in as the, <laughs> as the Salerno faithful lost their minds. 20th you know. place, do it like. Yeah, fuck it. You know. <laughs> in the 20th minute, a nice bit of build up play from Sassuola led to a cross by Kyriakopoulos to the formidable, towering, tattooed figure of Gianluca Scamacca. Oh, the wow. son of a gangster heads the ball. Brilliantly and dominantly takes off in celebration, looking around with his arms open as if to say, what the fuck are you going to do about it? Just son of a gangster, man. <laughs> I mean, he is. But just he like, is, and the grandson no. of a gangster as well. But yes, um, what a player, man. What a towering figure, honestly. So good. I hate that we basically all know his next move. Yeah. Um, in the 30th minute... Traore received the Maxim Lopez ball out wide, cuts inside to be two players and curled it past the keeper. What an incredible goal. This guy, this guy is really good. He's on great form. So Swalla haven't been missing Boga because Traore had meh, 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 meh. Always the same thing. You know what I mean? But it's so obvious because he's been so fucking good for them, Traore. How yeah. does he like just not do this before? I don't. I, to be honest, before he was playing kind of in an attacking midfield role. He wasn't playing as far out wide as he's playing now, and he seems to be thriving in this role. So you know, power to him. He's playing really well. Um, he's been insane, man. Yeah. Um, to be honest with you, bro, I kind of drew parallels with Leao the way he can beat his man out mm. wide. You know, the play style is completely different. Of course, the the body type is different as we discussed before. Leao is like peak athletic male performance. Yeah. Um, while Traor is kind of like um, a bit short, you know, kind of short legs, you know, yeah. the type. Yeah. But, but he's very technical, you know, he can beat his man, he can cause havoc on the left-hand side and you need to double mark him. Yeah. And even if you so double mark him, like he was double marked this game, he still destroyed them. Yeah. Now, um, Raspadori. Oh, God, oh, God. In the 57th this minute... This ruined my weekend. Right? <laughs> the 57th minute, Raspadori committed a foul on Perotti and got booked instantly. And as he was getting booked, he threw the ball away. Now, typically, if you throw the ball away, you get 
booked again. Like, mm-hmm. so the referee just gave him a stern telling off, you know, shouting his face, telling him like, "Don't you dare do that shit." He was like, really right? kind. Exactly. He, give him that he was kind to give him a second chance. Exactly. So what did Raspadori do? Two minutes later, he committed another foul, and instantly the referee literally just card out. You could tell from his body language, the referee was just screaming, literally, "Get fuck off! Fuck off! Like, off, like fuck get off. the fuck out!" And, of and that foul was just like. On purpose, like what's he doing? Exactly. You know what I mean. And this is what I mean when I say sometimes, bro, that I feel like the the players at Sassuolo don't respect the team, because you could easily win this game. You know, you're two one up, and you're gonna do this bullshit. Honestly, what, well, what they, joy they did lost, it bring? They him? lost two points because of that. What joy did it bring? And wanted to make the headlines, Raspadori, for Probably being a hot-headed, fucking no? idiot, like thinking like I'm too good for the shit or something, something mm. stupid like that. Fratesi hit the crossbar shortly after with a decent strike and in the 81st minute there was some great work by Zortea out wide. He gave a perfect cross to Juric who heads the ball low past Consigli. Fantastic goal to be honest. Crazy scenes again. Um, and at the end, at the very end, Bonazzoli gets a chance. You know, he shoots but mm-hmm. Consigli saves it. Oh my God, how I wish that went in. So I, mm-hmm. wish that, I wish that had gone in simply for the story, man. The drama at the bottom, you know. That's true. But it looks like it might not happen for them. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Sassuolo struggled in this game, man. They did, especially you know with the red card. Um, yeah. They they were going to, you know, go crazy on them before the red card. They were going to start scoring and scoring and scoring. I think. I mean, they, they really were, had momentum. Sorry. Yeah, they, they they could have you know potentially made it three one, four one, much like it was in their last match. But obviously that red card just ruined them completely. You they have were. to restructure everything. I mean, right after the red card. You could clearly see that that momentum shift and Salernitana just kind of took control. You could see them getting comfortable on the ball as well. And I could literally point at Raspadori and say that this loss uh, and this draw is his fault. Definitely, definitely. Sassuolo were playing such intricate football before the red card as well. Calculated passing and moving, you know, it's the aim of the game. Um... They had Sassuolo had 14 key passes, the most in Match Day 29, plus okay. 16 goal scoring chances, also Whoa. the most in Match Day 29. And this probably all came before the, the fucking red card. So he did he did screw them over. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to say, bro, Fratesi was wasteful once again in tapping situations. How do you deal with that? Imagine you were a coach and you have a player who's constantly missing tapping situations. Like like we said Torre- Torreira last week, you know, he mm-hmm. missed two in the same game. But I'm talking now, Fratesi, it's a theme that He's been doing this for a while now. Every single game, he seems to miss a big chance. I mean, I'm not going to be a hypocrite and, and give an exception because it's Fratesi. I think if a player can't capitalize from a goal-scoring situation, a clear and obvious goal-scoring situation, I'm saying, saying just hitting the ball on target when you need to hit the ball on target. Nine times out of ten, at least. Mm-hmm. Do that, or you're going to be dropped. Now, Fratesi is a young guy. He's learning the league. It's his first time playing in Serie A and he's playing consistent football for Sassuolo, so he's obviously a great player. But that is some a, a, a position he's lacking in and something he needs to brush up and he needs to keep on working on it and working on it and working on it. Especially because his goal prowess is, is one of the strongest points of his game. You know, mm. everyone talking about that Serie A season where he scored eight goals, two assists, you know. He's actually scored a few in Serie A this season, but you know, improve in those situations. Yeah, he, he, you know? he needs he needs another. He's young. Season don't, don't get me wrong. There. Maybe we're we're being a bit harsh here. He yeah. is. He, how old? Remind me, Fratesi. Fratesi is like what twenty one. Some twenty one. Maybe Fratesi. we're being a bit harsh. Twenty two. He's twenty two years it'll, old. It'll improve. He'll get it eventually. It'll start yeah. ticking. He needs for him. time. He needs time. The second that he gets it, he's he's 
gonna explode. You know, I'm, I'm talking national team call-ups. You know, top four. Yes, 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 he's, yes. He's, he's got that talent. He's a fucking dream to have in your mm. team. But that is an area where he needs to improve. And if he doesn't improve within the next two years, then we're gonna see him benched. True. Let's hope that he's psychologically strong enough, mentally strong enough to deal with this with this situation over here. For sure. Now, um, Zortea is a nice player for Salernitana, man. I really, I really like the guy. He's good out wide. Yes, I mean Zortea came on and and he instantly made an impact for them. He's a young guy as well, at 22 years old, relatively new in the scene, and we could see him potentially stay up in, in Serie A once Salernitana go down, simply because he is new hot property. Yeah, yeah, true. Even one of the teams coming up might snatch him. Yeah, kind yeah. of like Re- Reka. Reka, Simi as well. Yeah, many, many teams, um, many players from Crotone. Crotone pretty much just stayed in Serie A. Yeah, I, I pointed out last time when we were watching Milan, remember, I said, look at the bench. There are three players that came from relegated sides. Oh, yes, that, that was there really was interesting. There was Benasser, there was Tonali and Messias. Yeah, Brescia, Crotone, Empoli, literally. Insane. Crazy. Now, um, yes, I hope that Salernitana pick a good manager for the coming season in Serie but I can't see Nicol- Nicola um, hanging out. You know, I can't see him sticking around. He's kind of a fixed guy. He needs his summer breaks. He yes. only works three months at the end of each season. Exactly. So he needs he needs his time off. That's true. That's true, bro. <laughs> Salernitana are twentieth with sixteen points, nine points from safety, while Sassuolo is tenth with forty points, eight points of that highly sought after conference league spot. So the next game and the last game we're going to be covering is Spezia 2, Cagliari 0. A real relegation, six-pointer over here, and Motta's men did get the six points. So Spezia now unbeaten against Cagliari in their last four encounters, where they won two and drew two in the process, with this match being included, obviously. And Spezia are finally ending a five-match winless streak, with their last four all resulting in losses. Cagliari also coming off a loss, which was a 3-0 away defeat to Lazio. The reverse fixture in this encounter was a 2-2 draw and yep, pretty much Spezia have gotten the, the better end of Cagliari throughout this campaign. Although it's interesting to see that Cagliari were kind of on the rise apart from that loss against Lazio whereas Spezia were kind of dipping and everyone was tipping them for relegation. So interesting stuff on all ends of the spectrum in this league. So in the 36th minute, VAR awarded a penalty to Spezia after Ehrlich got the bad end of a 50-50 with Dalbert. Verde stepped up with that sweet left foot, only to see his attempt saved by the ever-impressive Cranio. Shortly after, Cranio produced another super save after Giassi went for a low hard drive to Cranio's near post, but the Italian was quick to drop down and get a firm hand to it. Something I can really point out about him, he's got a, such a firm arm, Cranio, he does, when he, he makes does. those saves. His wrist is very powerful. Literally, a lot of masturbation, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. In the 55th minute, Ehrlich only needed a touch to convert into the back of the net after a superb dipping Verde corner. Bro, this corner literally, it was one of those Ronaldo shots kind of that go up and dip down. It went past all of the Cagliari defenders, fell straight to Ehrlich and he only needed a touch, as I said, and a touch is what he got. It was then in the 74th minute that Pereira's attempted clearance ricocheted off Kovalenko and fell exactly to Manai in the box, who after fainting, converted into the bottom corner without a single problem. This was actually hilarious. Like, Pereira went to take the ball off Kovalenko, he shot it, it hit Kovalenko, went perfect position to Manai, perfect position, he just needed a feint and then he finished into the bottom corner. 
2-0 Spezia get away with 3 points. So, whether you like it or not, Spezia are the better team this season. I can confidently say Spezia have been better than Cagliari throughout the campaign. Sure, sure. Fair enough. Yes, of course. Spezia, however, were the least accurate passers in this game with 62% and they still managed to get away with a comfortable 2-0 victory. Of course, yes. Mata like, sets up his tactics, you know. They go out there, they, <laughs> they just fuck up constantly, but they somehow, they somehow keep managing to get across the line. Yeah. Honestly, what a fucking wild team they are. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't think they're going to get relegated this season, man. But we'll wait till the final match day. They're still no, at, at this point, bro, honestly, it's very difficult for them to get relegated now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How many points they have? They are on? They are in 15th and they're 7 points from the drop at the moment. I mean, it's possible, but it's very unlikely. I mean, it is mathematically possible, but yes. will it happen when, you know, Venezia keep on slipping up, Genoa keep getting single points, and Salernitana? Yes, I mean, recently I did say that I still I still think they might go down, but I've just been so wildly disappointed by Venezia, man. Yes, yeah, even Oof, me. Even my me. God, man. They really haven't picked up. Like, yeah. Just... yeah there, there are so many critiques I could give about Venezia. Like, I don't mm. like how they don't start Jonsson, for example. I think he brings something great to the... To the team. I might even I agree with you there, man. I I think Jonsson is a very tricky player. Play him, man. Yeah, alongside Okareke behind the striker. Just, I would play you, literally Aramo on the right, Jonsson on the left, and fucking Okareke up front, and just play a counter-attacking type of game. That's fucking something I might be in for as well, man. Do you think that this is an inevitable João Pedro dip from Cagliari's? And I mean, it's harsh to say because he has been carrying the team. And keeping them away from that relegation zone throughout the campaign, or you know, keeping them in 18th rather than 19th and, and 20th, because Cagliari have been somewhat shambolic. But I have seen him kind of dip recently, he's not asserting himself to the game as he normally would. Mm-hmm. You could say that naturally it's because of the increase in competition towards the lower tier of the league but you could call it a dip no and I think he did dip towards the end last season as well I think so but it must be exhausting you know carrying this team on your shoulders year in year out you know um, I think a really cool the dip the dip is an uh, inevitable to be honest it's surprising that he manages to do so well yeah to be honest with you um, with the lack of support he has um, I do see a move to Napoli for João Pedro I think that would be so cool Imagine a direct swap. They sent Petania the they other way. They sent Petania the other way. <laughs> Petania would, would struggle, huh? <laughs> he would struggle at Petania that would struggle in, in Sardinia. Like, good luck getting him off the beach. Like. <laughs> good luck over there. That's true. And we barely talk about Cagliari's chances of getting relegated because they have been hot from January mm-hmm. onwards. But... You know, they're three points ahead of Venezia, and Venezia have a game in hand. It could very much fucking happen as well. Cagliari can go down. We don't they talk can, about that sure, much. for sure, for sure, for um, sure. It's just that when they're on, they look like such a strong side. I agree. And they, they look so um, assertive, unlike Venezia, who always look a little bit shaky. Mm-hmm. Um, as of late, especially. Because at the beginning of the season, Venezia had a lot of personality. Um, yeah. But it seems to have worn off now, the lack of experience, of course. Um, Cagliari, on the other hand, are a seasoned, seasoned team. You know, you look at this team, you, you see many Serie A 
proven players over here. Yeah, I would say that Cagliari, even more than Sampdoria, have the best team within the teams fighting relegation. I, w- mm-hmm. I would say that they have individually. The best team. It's true. I mean, yeah. they have they have Cranio, you know, solid goalkeeper, Goldenegger, um, Altare, proven players at the back, Lovato, Lovato proven player fantastic. with Alas Verona last year, Bellanova, Milan youth product. Grassi has been in the league for a while, even playing with the national team in the under 21s. Deola, Deola seasoned player. We talk about him week in, week yeah. out. Dalber, ex Inter player, Baselli, ex Torino player, Pavaletti, ex fucking double digits goal scorer. For um, I believe Cagliari as well it was still um, yeah, I, it was yeah, with it someone was. else as well I can't remember who and João Pedro of course you know we're talking about a team here Pereira Keita Balde Marin Zappa Lico Giannis these guys know the league yeah Nandez is out injured as well That's he's true. been out injured for a while so that that must impact the team quite a bit but uh-huh, I'd like I'd like to keep Cagliari in the league I, I like them as a team it's fun having a team from Sardinia yeah, yeah for sure for sure. Um, but that's pretty much it. Just want to point out that Spezia are in 15th, 7 points from the drop. Cagliari 17th, 3 points from the drop. And Venezia have a game in hand. Welcome back to our question segment. If you have any questions or hot takes, you can drop them at Serie A Spotlight on Instagram or Twitter, wherever you prefer. You could even send us an email if you would like to. Um, Serie A Spotlight at Outlook.com for anyone over the age of 60. <laughs> now, we have a hotmail as well for any horny foreigners. Yeah. <laughs> hotmail? Now, our first question comes from the man, the myth, the legend, Kurt Sultana. Oh my god. At K-E-E-R-T underscore 97 on Twitter. And it's not even a question, bro. He says, with their current form, Inter don't deserve to win the league, but will probably win it anyway. Hey, that's a hot take, though. It's, It's a hot take. Is it a hot take? I think it's... That Inter would win the league, mm. I guess, with their yeah, the bad favorites, run of no? I, I guess with their bad run of form, though it's a it's a. But the bad run of form is because they had Brozovic out for one game. Now he'll come back and they'll just win every game remaining. Do you think that it's, it's as easy as that? They were losing with Brozovic in the team as well. When again? Then the big games though against Sassuolo. Mm. They drop points against Genoa as yeah, well with true. Brozovic in the team. I mean, do I agree with Kurt? Probably. Probably, I still, I still feel that that Inter are potentially the the favourites in Sky. I think Milan are so likely to slip up. Actually, mm-hmm. no, I think Napoli would be the favourites right now, man. Yeah. I think Napoli they have might the be least favorites. pressure from everyone from Milan, Inter, and Napoli. Napoli have and even Juve. Um, I think Napoli have the least pressure because they it wasn't expected of them to be competing at this at this. You know. Well, it was in the beginning, and then from from like January onwards, we everyone thought that Inter was running away with it. Um, obviously, with Milan winning their last league in 2011 and Milan finding success in the 2000s and dipping so hard over the past few years with the Berlusconi and, and Galliani and the, the Cherries mm-hmm. um, era, that... Milan would have more pressure on them because they want to get back to winning ways. Napoli on the other hand, like you're saying, they don't really have much of a CV in the 2000s. Their, you know, their success dates back to the 
80s in the Maradona era. So less pressure for Napoli, more pressure for Milan and Inter, I would and say. And perhaps more desire, um, especially with their fans. Now, uh, my question for Kurt, which I actually asked him, but he never replied to, um, I'm calling you out, bro, <laughs> is who deserves to win the league? Because every team has slipped up. That's true. You know, That's you look true. at Milan have also slipped up. Fucking Napoli have slipped up. You've uh, slipped up for a while Majorly at the beginning of the, the, of beginning. the season. Relegation zone. So I think this is a great transition to, to Luca Panzavecchia's question. Hey, Panzavecchia. Our question. boy, of course. Nice. He asked, um, with Milan, Inter, Napoli and Juve all still very much in the title race, does this signify an abundance of quality at the top or a lack of a truly great team? I'm... I'm, I'm... Can you repeat them? Can you repeat the two options? Sure. So we either have an abundance of quality at the top, so many great teams, or mm-hmm. basically um, a lack of a truly great team, so non, no dominant team there. Yeah, but I think there's. It, it's not a lack of. It's not a lack of quality within one team. Sure, there's no singular powerhouse, but it's because there are four powerhouses. I would say. I think this is the most highly competitive season that there has been not only in Serie A but but in the world around the past few years because of the level of quality that's that's being played and, and every team every one of these four teams has really brought it I think three seasons ago Juve would have won the league with the way that they're performing right now three seasons ago but this isn't three seasons ago Milan have found themselves, Napoli have found themselves, and Inter have found themselves. So I would say it's an abundance of quality at the top. Yes, I, I would say that there's, I agree with you, there's quite a lot of quality at the top right now. Um, especially when you look at how how the teams performed on a European stage, on an international stage. Now granted, Milan knocked out of the Champions League in the group stages. But an open-minded person and the person who actually saw the games would say that Milan were impressive. Yes, in the Champions definitely. League. Milan were fucking impressive when they were back in the Champions mm. League. Um, Napoli have been solid this season once again. You know, I mean, they've barely slipped up in the league. Yeah, you know, um, Juve are still in the Champions League. Juve are still in the Champions exactly. League. Exactly. So we correct. have we have teams here that can call Inter beat fucking Liverpool. Liverpool. You know, mm-hmm. something no, that not many teams manage to do. We're talking about a, a league with a lot of quality. I mean, year. Atalanta are performing in the Europa League and they're in seventh. We've exactly. got Roma and Lazio that are really bringing it. Okay, Lazio a bit more than Roma at the moment. But I would say there's a lot of quality in mm-hmm. the league at the moment. Yes, and it's tight at the top and it's tight at the bottom. Man. My favourite part. <laughs> now, um, Naeem. At Naeem underscore Fayaz22 on Twitter. Thank my you, boy. Naeem. My boy. He asks, who should Milan buy as a right winger? And this is what I was telling you before. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm, I'm still going to say Berardi. I would okay. spend extra to have some more experience from the league and also just a younger guy mm. than Di Maria. A bit more longevity. Yeah. I see Berardi if he joins Milan playing out his career with them. Ideally, I would go for, I'd spend money on a striker like Skamaka. Mm-hmm. And then I would go for Di Maria on a free and splash the wages on him. That's you know? a fair shot. And in reality, you know, Zlatan's going to get a wage deduction now. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it's the perfect opportunity, you know. And you get a player over here who's used to winning, you know. This is a guy who went to United and won the Europa League after winning mm-hmm. pretty much everything with Real Madrid. And, you know, United were in a slump back then. Yeah. So he still got it. You know? I mean, what you're you doing mean, here is you're ensuring quality in, you in all areas. The, and the, the mentality, you you have a player who's not going to feel the pressure on a Champions League night, while Berardi might feel the pressure on a United. <laughs> he's never played in the Champions League. Potentially, but he's just 
I know he's only what 27 years old, but he, he does have that that just mature play style about him. He does mm. bring that kind of experience around. He's he's somewhat of a leader as well. Probably comes from the fact that he's a a one club man. Mm. I would really like to see him at me. I think I think Berardi would really take Milan to the next level. Re- I mean, Leao on one side, Berardi on the other. Mm-hmm. Wow, 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 man. I'm not against nice. Berardi at all. Don't get me wrong. I just think that Di Maria is the the option right now. Mm-hmm. Now, the next question comes from Andrew Santfournier, one of our Jubalinas who took over the podcast, of course, when we were away in Amsterdam, getting friggin' fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) Atalanta look look toothless and just don't seem to have the minerals to become the top club. Um, A tough game against Genoa, but one that they should be winning with ease. What's wrong with Gasperini's boys? Uh, I think we, we touched upon this earlier on in the podcast. I think it's a lack of adapting to teams in front of them. Mm-hmm. I think they play their style and their style only, yes. uh, which has, uh, I mean, been, like been against very Roma, bit them in the ass Exactly. Yeah. It's been very effective over the past few over the past few years, but it could be a sense of Gasparini being a little bit figured out at the moment. But I mean, the injuries and the injuries, the injuries and the injuries. And the, like if yes. this were Milan and someone was talking shit about Pioli, I would be offended yes. and I'd be saying, well, we've got the injuries. So you have to, you know, give the benefit of the doubt to Atalanta. They have been incredibly unlucky with injuries. Incredibly unlucky, but they've brought it upon themselves, it has to be said. The player mismanagement was shambolic this year. They I rushed agree. to do Van Zapata back from... From injury and he got injured yep. again, aggravating. They did mm-hmm. the same thing with Goa since he got pissed off and he left the winter. Yep. You know? Um, so you have all these players, you know, your top players, that eventually you're missing out on because of the fact that you're rushing them back in prematurely. So at the end of the day, it's it's on Gasperini as much as it is um, on, yeah. on the players. Yeah, yeah. It, it will be a different story next season with the takeover that they have as well. Bear in mind that, you know, 50% yeah. or, or 45% is now owned by... An American, yeah, an American yeah, yeah. company. So we'll see. Very exciting times for Atalanta. Um, our next question comes from at Radonter on Twitter. It's R-A-D-O-N-T-E-R. Thank he you, says, Lord. only Allegri knows how to win Serie A among all teams of top four. Is it a big advantage for them? And who is Scudetto favorite? It is a big advantage for Juve that they've got that experience. I mean, Allegri has won a multitude of Serie A's. He's won, he's won what, on, on four occasions with Juve, I think. And he's also won one with Milan, the last mm-hmm. Scudetto that Milan won back, back in 2011. In 2011. Yeah. Um, so it is definitely an advantage for Juve to have a seasoned manager like that. I would say that the favourites at the moment are Napoli to win the league. Napoli to win the league, you think? Uh, like I said before, I think on paper, Napoli are, are the favourites at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, ju- just because they're on a better run of form to um, to Milan and Inter and they look far less likely to drop points than them I still think Inter are the favourites they won it last year with pretty much the same group of players mm. you know the manager is different granted and the Hakim same of group course, of Lukaku. players not really but it's apart though. from okay apart from the new arrivals in Dumfries the replacements yeah, of Hakimi and Lukaku Everyone else is the same. The defense is the same. The keeper is the same. It's the same squad. The metronome is the same. The same squad. You know, in the dressing room, they're going to say, like last year, bro, you know, Mm -hmm. all that Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, So, yes, I I would say Inter are the favorites. Um, Not not Napoli right now. Adam underscore Dublé on Twitter asks, UCL special episode. Oh, my God. How much time do you think? (laughs) (laughs) Adam. No, I mean, to be honest, bro, they don't even need to be long. We could do a... 
15 minute I, I, episode brought, covering the Copa. The easiest way to satisfy Adam once Serie A is over and there's a Champions League final, we can record a Champions League episode. Uh, episode. Okay, and it kind cover of how sucks the... that we record on Tuesday yeah. nights, so we, we do miss football in that in that case. True, but um, we could do it with the Champions League final coming up and, and Serie we A could. over. We could kind of we could cover the Italian teams and how they did in Europe in general, as exactly, well, maybe. or you maybe know, just a, stats. maybe a walkthrough of, of yeah. the Champions League as well. Let us know how you guys would like that to be to be carried out. I mean. Once Serie A comes to an end, we're not just going to stay silent for, for two and a half to three months. Exactly. So we'll probably be covering... No, I was going to say we'll cover the World Cup, but the World Cup isn't in summer. Like. Exactly. That's so going to be so fucking yeah. tricky, man. We Fucking money we need to pig. sit down and <laughs> We need to sit down and strategize a bit. Yeah. The next question comes from our boy all the way from Down Under, <laughs> okay. Mason. Um Owner of Duke the dog, very cute dog, looks like a good boy, look at this dog. Oh, he looks like a cute boy. Looks adorable. Um, He asks, first first he asks why are Napoli so good, of course he's a Napoli fan, so he's just (laughs) taking the piss over there. He says, Inter could lose to Fiorentina and Juventus would be in equal third. Yeah, there are three points. That's a high possibility of Mm -hmm. that happening. Do you think it will happen? Do you think that, um, you know, Inter would lose to Fiorentina? Um, Inter are so unpredictable at the moment with, with these results I mean, you, you never predict that they're going to lose to Sassuolo Or drop points against Inter or drop points against Genoa With the way things are going, Fiorentina could very much um, Take beat, something off yeah, of Inter Take something yeah. off of Inter And I would not be surprised to see Juve in third or yes. even second Juve man. have mastered the art of winning ugly under Allegri They seem to be doing it very well now Yeah, How, however... They do have some big games left, and it, they, they've got one against Inter coming up. So that, that is a big... I think it's in two weeks' time. Ooh, that's going to be nice. Yeah. That's going to be such a good game. Can you show um, Can you show our friend over here your multi-mill Australia impression? <laughs> <laughs> so many Maltese people migrated to Australia back in the day after the war. Um, and and we've just got this hilarious breed of people that are Maltese, like purely purely Maltese but they've lived in Australia for their entire lives <laughs> I, mean, I don't know why I'm going to speak Maltese to this guy my name is Martin in Australia I'm in Sydney I'm going to fly to my daddy I'm going to fly to Sydney something like that fantastic bro um, he also asks how good is Seiya? Oh, Serie A is the best league in the fucking, the fucking world, best! bro. That's why we have a podcast on Serie A and not a podcast on the fucking Prem or anything like that. No, the but BOV I Premier League <laughs> spotlight. Particularly this season, Serie A is the best league in the world and there's no shadow of a doubt. Yeah, definitely. Um, we have one more question from Flynn, our boy Benji Flynn, friend of the podcast. Hopefully he'll be on it very soon Yeah. Um, with our other good friend of the podcast, Beppe, who I'm sure doesn't listen, but um, would like to be on <laughs> to debate Beppe. He's too busy sending um, voice notes Benji. to Flynn, telling, <laughs> telling him off. Exactly. Um, he asks, what's worse, Milan's draw to Salernitana or Inter's draw to Genoa? Milan's draw to Salernitana or Inter's draw to Genoa? <sighs> Ooh, that's such a tough one. I have an answer. Go for it. And Flynn's not going to like the answer, man. Everyone's drawing Genoa. Seven teams, seven draws in a row. It's nothing extraordinary. Mm. Not many people have dropped points to Salernitana. Mm. You know? Um, so I would say that the 
the draw to Salernitana is worse, even because of the fact that Salernitana managed to put two past Milan, you know, mm-hmm. while Genoa didn't even score against them. There was just, they didn't manage to score themselves. Yeah, I think I think they're bad for, for two reasons. I mean, I, I think I might disagree with you and I might say that Inter's draw to Genoa is more disappointing because... Inter were going through a slump of not scoring goals and they went three, four games mm-hmm. without scoring goals and not getting a goal against Genoa is concerning. And that kind of confirmed their shitty streak that they're going through. Um, and at the same time, I mean, Milan's draw to Salernitana, as terrible as it was, and I cannot justify it for a second, but in comparison to Inter's draw against Genoa, it was individual errors that lost Milan mm-hmm. the game. It's not like Salernitana were much the better side against Milan, but it was an unlikely Manian error, it was an unlikely Tomori error. And sure, when the spine of your team crumbles like that, it is worrying. But what is more worrying is failing to get goals, failing to get going against a team like Genoa. So they're both terrible, it's a toss of a coin. I'm gonna say Inter Genoa was was more disappointing. Ah, it's nice, we've been disagreeing a lot lately, bro. We're we're growing apart. It's true, great. I like that. But that's the end. I think so, guys. Yes, that is the end of the episode. Thank you very much if you've made it this far. Thank you for listening. Um, Follow us. Actually, do follow us on on Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love you to take part in our quizzes, and um, you could enjoy some of our content over there too. For sure, we we recently hit 100 followers on on Instagram, which which I mean is hilarious, and and I never thought I'd I'd write a. You know, I'd post something saying thank you for 100 followers. It's a bit sad, really. But genuinely, we are very thankful for everyone that engages with us. Even if you guys don't listen to the podcast, even if you drop us a follow and give us a like every now and then, you guys are are our supporters and and we're not going to forget that. But we do encourage you to listen. We do encourage you to engage, especially if you're getting into the league or if you're massive fans of the league. And who knows, maybe one day we'll even have you on and we can chat with you about culture right here in our comfort zone. Let's hope so. We love you. We love you.